0: You seen any suspicious-looking characters around here? No. Do you live around here? Yeah.
1: podcast that celebrates all movies from the slime to the suspicious. As always, I'm Lindsay Wilkins. And we're on part three of our Leone series. And this is a real feud because we are doing Martin Breast's it's Midnight Run and of course Leone's for a few dollars more. With me, I am so excited to have these guys. This is going to be an amazing conversation. First of all, he is the co-host of the upcoming and they have actually recorded an episode of Imperial Scum, it is Andy Gorham. Hey, how's it going?
2: Hey, Lindsay, I am doing great. Thank you. Yes, we recorded our first pilot episode to give Chris some uh, some time to learn to edit, um, and I'm going to make sure he edits the hell out of it. So I sound great, and everybody else is okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was a, it was it was really really fun. Um, we just kind of talked uh, about um, the Ahsoka trailer. We were going to dive into some of our history, but that could lead us down some rabbit holes and you know how much we all like to talk. So we're going to save that for our first like official episode. Is just talking about our history and what kind of our plans for the show and things are so, but it went really great. I got done and i was like hey i don't feel like an imposter anymore like thank you matt thank you Lindsay. thank you <laughs> rob everybody who's had me on to get us ready for this so yeah it was excellent so thank no, you
1: no no i'm looking forward to it and uh, just about editing i'm really, really into edit properly, like last week so <laughs> i understand how fiddly that process that process can be really looking forward to it this is going to be absolutely great i know you and chris are just going to go down so many wormholes with this because it's star wars and there's just so much canon and non-canon now and whatever to go through. So it's going to be great. But we also have uh, the co- the other co-host from, because we had Rob on uh, last time, um, but we have his co-host from Chainsaws and Claws. It is, of course, now, I believe you're Patrick Vicious now, or? I mean,
3: okay. Technically, <laughs> I was before. Like, it was like when I first came in, because, like, okay, this is a long story I've been trying to compress. Um, when I was younger, and it's still accurate now, but I hated my last name. So, and I was obsessed with uh, Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols, which is weird because I'm straight edge. But like, so like I stole his last name and made that my last name. Oh. And then um, when I started writing for um Matt Essery for Video Culture, um, he suggested using my real name again, which I was like, okay, fine. And then um, when we started doing the podcast, uh, Chainsaws and Claws, um, Rob asked if I want to be Patrick Vicious again. And I was like, yes yes i do so yes i am patrick vicious again but if you know my real name that's fine it's just terrible but it's fine it's a
1: good it's name, not
3: terrible
1: it's a good name but patrick vicious has something about it that um is very good even though you are the opposite of vicious i don't know, I don't some, know. Of the,
2: some of it some of puppies are pretty vicious
4: <laughs> and,
3: <laughs> and is he is the opposite of vicious and yes. he is the sweetest man in the world i am best in the middle because like <laughs> and, and chris is very evil but like i
2: am in the middle i
1: love it three seconds already pot shots of chris i love
2: it i know and he's gonna go on there and say look andy's got you all fooled he's really nice but when you get him on a text thread or on a podcast when there's not recording he's the meanest no no
1: No, i'm texting with you so
3: much and you have never been anything but super nice (laughs) and sweet And even when he's talking about a movie he
1: doesn't like he just goes that's not for me but people other people really like it i'm like this is a text thread you could actually say it was shit
3: no, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. No, all right. No. No. Andy, don't you do it. Don't you give in. <laughs> it's like the time that, like, there was like, I cause I refuse to call anything good or bad. It's like subjective. And then, like, one time, like, when like uh, Matt was like, just say it's bad. And I'm just like, it's, like, what are you with the devil? Like, it's like, no, it's like, it's like, I, was, like, <laughs> I will not do that.
1: <laughs> all other subjective yeah everything is you know everything there's always a movie that's going to be someone else someone's favorite movie and that is just how art works um i know social media does not like this and does not has to be no it has to be the greatest thing ever or it has to be communism and yes i am talking about barbie heimer um
4: but
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm like really if, why are you these men so shocked that barbie heimer uh, that uh, barbie is a feminist text but okay <laughs> whatever um thin skinned
2: but, these are also the same morons that don't really realize what they're going in to watch in the, certain, in the first place. So let them not, have their stupid takes, and we can just block and move on.
1: <laughs> exactly, and then I can go watch Bobby and enjoy it because it's going to be fun. Um, though oh, the it was same so, thing—it was
2: so fun.
4: <laughs>
1: oh, I cannot I'm thinking, wait. I'm thing looking thing this to it this afternoon. I'm so excited. Um, but no, same thing actually with uh, Oppenheimer. I noticed all these people go. He's not pro Prokofiev. I'm like, do you know who Oppenheimer was? Yeah. Like, did you know? Do you know anything about him? Like, you cannot make an Oppenheimer movie and be, and say it was pro-bomb, with just a little bit of text go. He later sort of said this was a bad idea.
3: I will not say, uh, Barbie, enough. very fun. Uh, Oppenheimer, not fun at all. No. Really not fun. It's <laughs> no. really, I, I enjoyed it very much, but it is not fun. Like, so much like, so like, when I was going home, I was like, thinking about what you watch and I was just like, I literally feel like watching anything fun right now is disingenuous. Yes. So it's like, it's like have- after like how low I felt, I was like, well, the original Godzilla is really dark and it's basically about nuclear like horror. So I was like, that feels appropriate. I'm going to watch Godzilla right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was kind of the same way because someone in the back when I was watching it tried to do like a big clap thing and everyone just went no. I'm, I'm not doing that at <laughs> that, that, that it, yeah you just have to that movie makes you sit with the ending and you're just you're know, just like oh, okay so yeah but anyway I'm not talking about Barbenheim uh, and we are talking about bounty hunters and the frenzy make along the way so we're going to be starting with uh, midnight run and as I like to imagine the curtains are opening we're sitting there we're going to watch this glorious movie Patrick, what is going to be your trailer for Midnight Run? See,
3: okay, uh, I oscillated uh, on a lot of things. The thing that I ultimately landed on that like made the most sense to me was uh, Forty Eight Hours with Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte, like because the vibe of it is very, very similar. Nick Nolte is a cop.
0: Eddie Murphy is a con.
2: I can help you get Gans, but you got to get me out of here first.
0: You're crazy. He pulls some strings.
2: See you need me a little more than you thought. i Mr. Kate?
0: He pulls some scams.
1: So, where do you want to do it, honey? Want to hop up on the counter? Nah, we can
0: go in this room over here next to the bathroom.
1: I'm okay. that serious.
0: Come oh, on, we're on the move. Let's go. Hey. They've got two killers to track down. Toss me that piece, and he won't waste it. <laughs> They've got a kidnapping going down. I want the money. I don't know what you're talking about. Want that Indian to snap her neck? They've got a fortune to hunt down. I want to know what's going on between you and Gans. Half a million dollars. And it's all coming down in 48 hours. But I gave you 48 hours to come up with something. and The clock's running.
3: This guy got a real itchy trigger finger. and He's a nervous cop. You better listen to him. You get your brain
2: blown out. I'm the calm type. <laughs> I almost really picked that is. same exact trailer. I, That's only, the thing. I,
3: I, I was I was really, like I thought you were going to. That's why like, I wasn't going to like, when you said it was when you were picking, I was just like, oh, thank God. But I was like, I had backups
4: in my head <laughs> just in case. Yep.
1: I only saw this for the first time like a couple of months ago. For some reason, I it was just a blind spot. I thought, you know what? I, I need to watch 48 hours. Damn, it's really good. And you're right, there is the similar vibe of these, again, this this kind of 80s thing of, Two guys come together who are polar opposites who have to work together but they actually become friends out of it. And Eddie Murphy, as soon as he's come, as soon as you see him singing um, the police, it is just he steals the whole time movie from everyone. It's it's his movie and he does not let it go.
2: The scene in the bar might be one of my favorite Eddie Murphy scenes of all time. When he walks in there with the sheriff's head, it's just so ridiculous.
1: Oh my god, <laughs> it's yeah, it is. I mean, everything about that movie is great. I mean, Nick Nolte is really good. I wish it had more Annette O'Toole. But Eddie Murphy is just, i like, oh, yes, this is him becoming a movie star. And it's really fascinating to watch in that respect.
3: Also, because um, everybody gives credit to Nulty and Murphy, which just totally, that's totally valid. Um, but like James Remar and Sonny Landham as the bad guys are rad as hell. Yes. Like, they are like yes, two of my are. favorite villains in film history. Because like, it's literally this, like the most scummy son of a bitch and his, like, bruiser motherfucker best friend. And I'm like, I would totally have seen a spinoff of those two characters doing, like, their own version of the same movie. That would be badass.
1: They are ultimate dirtbags, and you're right. They kind of go through this parallel thing between Nulty and uh, Murphy, but they are this, like, the, they're the definition of what a scumbag is, and it is, it is That glor- Their movie's so filthy. Like, there's just a sheen of grease all over it
2: very very much yeah. so
1: yeah <laughs> no that that is a great trailer i'm finally glad i watched this so i can go Oh, i need to watch this no i have watched it it's awesome it's a great movie it's walter hill doing 80s cop movies and kind of defining it like this is this was like 80 81 when it came 82 when it came out
3: i think it was 82 because i think it was yeah. like because yeah because um i want because i want to say trading places 83 and then beverly hills cop was 84 so yeah. i think that was yeah
2: that's a hell of a run. What a what a fucking run he had there. I mean, <laughs> no <seriously>. shit. <laughs> it's like movie star making. Here you go. Follow Eddie Eddie's path and it, you'll you'll get it. As long as you're talented like he is. Yeah,
1: very <laughs> very talented. Andy, what is going to be your trailer for uh Midnight Run cuz actually you've said it but I've actually forgotten what what you said you were going to do.
2: That's okay. Yeah, it's I so Cuz like, I just like, attention. Like I said, I'm- Yep, no, it's pretty funny. Like I'm sitting there, I'm watching it and I'm like, "Okay, what movie am I going to pair with this in a trailer?" And I'm like, "48 hours." Forty hours. I'm like, "Hold on. I've shit on the rock and we we've all shit on the rock lately because of everything that he's become."
3: Okay. Patrick? How dare you? How dare you, sir? I have never <laughs> oh, once sure, shit on Black the rock. Adam, you, yeah, you like that movie? Come on. Yes, I did. At, listen to our Actually, podcast. You're right. you're Rob one and of the said that. Yes. We both like <laughs> no. Black Adam.
2: Okay. All right. Well, lately I've been shitting on the rocket, like little comment posts, like, you know, can't get hit or doesn't this, you know, when he used to be cool. And in my opinion, the rundown is the rocket, his Zenith so far. And I hope he comes back to it. I'm looking for a man. His name's Travis Walker, brown hair, face like a weasel. Do I know you taking you home? Travis. What's
0: in Los Angeles, your father. So angry. Shut up. If only it were that simple. Apparently, he stumbled onto a trinket of some value in my jungle. Yep.
2: I want it back. Wow. Whatever my father is paying you, I will double it. No. I'll quadruple it. No. I'll double it and
0: quadruple it. Hell no. I hope you enjoy the fall. Now what fall? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Heads up. How are you like to do the birdie again? Come on, come on! Shut up. Why you always got to hit me? We gotta get to this tree. Got it. I got it. Got
2: it. Great. He's not the rock that we've come to know and like. I mean, a monkey humps his face. He gets beat up by multiple different people, and then at the end, he comes in and has his awesome badass moment with the. like I think he's got two guns in each hand. Which, how that works physically i have no idea but it looks awesome as hell and stifler and i and i know sean william scott but stifler he's always stiffler to me is really funny in the movie and kind of like groden he's a different kind of annoying to our main guy who's trying to bring somebody back so therein is why i picked the rundown
1: Uh, that is great i haven't seen this movie in years i keep meaning to because i do remember the rock getting uh this because this is before he tried to become dwayne johnson and now he's just back to the rock is, well it
3: was because yeah because like there was a period where he was like i'm to be the wrestling thing yeah. yeah and then like when he came back to wrestling for a hot minute because he had like established himself as an actor now he then he became like yeah no you can call me the rock it's fine I'm, like whatever but it was just, yeah, like, for, like a it period it was like it's like it's like uh oh it's at the rock it's like i'm sorry my name is dwayne johnson all right and then it was like now he's just like all right it's fine
2: <laughs> back um, when back when he still had a normal size neck
1: Oh my God, I was watching- (laughs) He
2: never, never once did that dude have a normal size neck.
1: Oh, comparatively to Rundown and- Comparatively now. What's the movie where he became the sheriff? Um,
3: Oh, Walking Tall. Walking Tall. Walking
1: Tall. He looks normal in those movies compared to what he is now. I mean, yeah, he's never been normal because he's always been a huge bulk of a man because of football and and wrestling and everything like that. But when you're watching those movies, you're like, oh, he's actually looking like a normal human- being not this kind of not, his arms aren't tree trunks yet and his neck kind of looks like it's got a shape to it a little bit. So it's um yeah. yeah he's not just like he doesn't have his personal gym yet pumping iron wherever he goes.
2: Yeah those guys are not breaking cast by just flexing. <laughs> I'm like that's not how broken arms work. <laughs> that is what awesome for fuck's sake. Like I was
1: gonna say but like like, awesome. like <laughs> yeah, that no. is exactly <laughs> what my I, partner said we, we saw that. He goes that's not how broken arms work but it's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Look at just the movie. Yeah,
2: and that is one thing I give the rock credit for. Even now, movies can sometimes just be cool. Henry Cavill loading those arms—it's just cool, and we want cool sometimes. So I'm I fine literally with it. said that I when just I was watching this Danny.
3: I was when yeah. I showed her uh, Fallout. I was like, "He's gonna reload his arms. He's gonna reload his arms," <laughs> and then he does the thing, and she was just like, "That was awesome."
2: I was like, "I know, right?"
3: Look, like, I was just like, "It's so cool."
2: No, I That's think one of the few things my wife will actually comment on because she's usually did not she's not a big movie watcher. She'll read while I'm watching and I was rewatching Fallout before going to see the new one and she looked over and she was, oh, this is where he and I was like, oh, I get it because it's Henry Cavill. You'll pay attention, but not if it's something I want you to see. <laughs> He's a beautiful man. Let's
1: be honest. <laughs> he is a beautiful man. Oh, and to be fair, if you want to get much. anyone interested in you, just even with the mustache, like I, I don't know what it what it is. That bat- oh, well, actually, I do know what it is. The mustache Henry is great. Oh, yeah. Um Man. it yeah, it's yeah, things look cool for cool things. And I think we are missing a little bit with that because I think we've got so involved. Like I love dumb mythology in movies, like I love it to death, but I think we've gone so far in the make everything about dumb mythology that we're kind of losing a little bit of the um cool for cool factor, which I think mm-hmm. which mission impossible is always about looking cool for cool factor, and Nolan is as well to a certain extent, especially when he's doing something practically. You just no, because I think it looks cool. So I think. And I can,
2: but Lindsay, everything he does is practical. There's not a single special effect in the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um dropped a nuclear bomb. That is what he did. It is sorry, it's the last one of the last movies I've seen, so it's still in my book. that um, it's I don't, okay. No it, they get yeah, out. movie is weird of in your brain. It doesn't let go. Um, maybe because of the nuclear holocaust, but who knows? It is <laughs> but um, <laughs> the rundown is no, the rundown is perfect for this because it is fun. It's silly. Stefler, because he is still Stifler to me. Sorry, Sean and Michael Scott. I think I've you me your name wrong. Um, is kind of perfect for that really annoying antagonist. And I think I know Mike Scott has said we've underrated him as an actor, which I think I agree with because he mm-hmm. is actually really good. He knows exactly what tone to hit in any given scene. Um, like the Goon movies, which I actually really like, even though I don't understand hockey. Oh, very much so. I think he knows exactly what tone to hit whatever he's in, and. This is just another example of that, and yeah, no, uh, bring down the um, rundown because that needs the, the a second renaissance because I really, uh, they, I have, I remember having such a good time with that movie.
2: Mhm. A little thunder, a little lightning, little thunder, a little lightning. Yep. <laughs> go back and watch it, guys. It's worth watching again.
1: Yes. Um. Okay. What am I? Uh, da, da, da. Actually, you know what? I'm was gonna. Hmm. No, I am gonna go. I'm gonna go for the Charles Gordon. I am going to go for or Heartbreak Kid from 1972.
0: I have fallen head over heels with your Kelly here. Uh, it just, you know, it didn't take me long to make up my mind. One good look did it, actually. I said you're lying in my spot. Oh, you are terrific girl! You are terrific <laughs> Now, there is a slight complication. Um, I happen to be a newlywed... We're coming, Miami Beach! Miami Beach, here we come! Here we come. we come, Miami Beach! You may have seen her around the pool. Lenny! Oh, She's a nice girl, but just uh, not, not not really my type. I put cream on. Uh, I married her because I, I thought it was the decent thing to do. Tell me it's wonderful, Lenny. I just said it! How many times do you want me to say it? If you wouldn't keep asking me so much, you would have heard me say it. It's my plan, just as soon as I uh, work out this messy business here, to uh, to follow you out to Minnesota.
2: The current temperature in Minneapolis is three degrees below zero. It's two degrees below in St. Paul and four
0: below at the airport. And to uh, lay claim to your, your lovely daughter here.
1: I love it. This is uh, one of my fav- favorite Elaine May movies. It's really hard to find. I have, like, the dodgiest of dodgiest Blu-rays of this. Um, it was remade into a Ben Still movie, but essentially Charles Broden marries Jeannie um, Berlin. They go on their honeymoon and then he meets Sybil Shepherd and decides that he needs to break up with his new wife to be with Sybil C- she- Shepherd. And that is the movie. Um, it is Charles Grodin at his smarmiest, at his best. There is, which is what I love about the movie. The movie just lets him be the most unlikable deck you've ever seen because... He you can tell he's a social climber. Um, and he only married Jenny Boleyn because she said I will only have sex on my wedding night, and then it cuts to their wedding. So it's um <laughs> it is this delightful satire. It's just pure Grodin, just to kind of come down things before we go into the action and, and just the comedy of that the genius that is Charles Burton. It's really hard to see at the moment, which is so unfair. Putting it out in the universe that we need a Blu-ray of this.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say and if I may, the Ben Stiller one. On.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, good. same
2: here. I've only seen that one, but. Man, nineteen you said what was the year again? Seventy four?
1: 1972.
2: Yeah. Ooh, nineteen seventy-two Civil Shepherd must be it's just beyond stunning. Cause I yeah, mean she is. Civil Shepherd's always stunning, but man, seventy-two, yeah.
1: Yeah, this yeah, is just after like, last picture show, after. so yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: No, but if you track it down, it's definitely worth a watch. It will look shit because I don't think I've ever come across a good <laughs> copy of this, but um, no just the way he's just trying to get out of the relationship and there's this great moment where he's in like the hotel bar with Jenny Boleyn and um is trying to explain to her that it's going to be better if they break up and she's just like sobbing and it's just and he's trying to feed her cocktails it's just like the greatest thing ever um but that trailer I would have but that trailer is going to slide into um I'll have tea
0: Robert De Niro is a bounty hunter.
1: Your mother ever teach you how to talk
2: nice to people and not shoot at them?
0: Charles Broden is an accountant who embezzled $15 million from the mob. It is truly in your best interest to just relax. I'm totally relaxed. I want this guy taken off, and I want him taken out fast. The mob wants him dead. The FBI want him alive. I'm going to bring him into federal court. Do I make myself understand? These sunglasses, they're really nice. Are they government issued or do all you guys go like to the same store to get them? And his bail bondsman wants him in L.A. in 72 hours. They can't fly. They also suffer from macrophobia and claustrophobia. Well, I'll tell you what, if you don't cooperate, you're going to suffer from fistophobia. Travel has a funny way of bringing people together. Are oh, you going to outrace the police car? You're going to outrace the police car? Jack, where are you? I'm in Boise, Idaho. Ah! Ah! Wait a minute. I'm in Anchorage, Alaska. Why would you do that? No, oh, no, you enjoy yourself. This is my room, and that's your room. Good night. I was somewhere between Toledo and Cleveland. Oh, no, no. Come on. Come on. Cigarettes are killers. Ah! those killers back there I can't take this heard the kill I had to kill this guy you had this guy what four days
1: no I'll start with Patrick because this is a movie that Andy says hey come and do this episode let's hang out and talk um but not run was this a movie you'd grown up with or something you discovered recently?
4: Um, actually, you know, You said me,
1: you said actually. I remember now. You said you only saw a couple of years ago during the pandemic. Oh no, that was the other movie. Sorry. Yeah.
3: If you are no, yeah, yeah. Remember Run, I saw um like years actually because of Martin Brest doing Beverly Hills Cop, which I because like when I was like probably like nineteen or something. Um, basically, whenever like Netflix like first became a thing, where you like get the DVDs through the mail, I wasn't just reliant on my local video store. Um, I would watch basically anything that I'd always wanted to see, and I watched uh, Beverly Hills Cop. And then, like, um, after I watched, because I'd already seen, um, like, I think two and I was too young to remember it, and three, which I liked at the time, but now not so much. Um, but, like, the first one's amazing. And so, like, I was like, oh, so this guy has done other movies. This one looks actually kind of exactly like it. And um, so I ended up watching it. And, like, I did like it. Like, I've always liked it. But, like, it just, like, to me, like, it's just, I've never liked it as much as Beverly Hills Cop, but it's also, it's at a really unfair bar. Um, if I'm being completely honest, like, I'm well aware of that bar being unfair. Oh, uh,
4: I,
1: I, <laughs> it's Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, I kind of prefer Beverly Hills, Hills Cop too. but I get how important that the first one is. I mean, it is just a perfect buddy cop comedy action movie. I mean, there are so many scenes in that movie that you are just, like, going, oh, and this is transcendent. That is amazing. Yep. I get it, John Esten and Judge Ryan. I mean, It's just so good.
3: <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, like, I definitely, like, I always liked it, but I never really returned to it that often. That's why, like, when um, Andy first, um like, invited me to do this, I was like, wow, I haven't seen that in, like, so long. So I ended up re-watching it last weekend just to be sure that I had it watched before today. Um, and I was like, I still actually, I still think it's really cool. Uh, I still don't think it's as good as Beverly Hills Cop, but, again, it's just it's just an impossible bar. Um, but I do think, like, the whole cast, I think is, like, we're talking about Groden, and obviously we're going to talk about De Niro, but I was <laughs> like, to me, the best part of the movie is jo- Joey Pans, Joe <laughs> Pinaliano. <Pennellato. laughs> <laughs> like, you're telling me to go fuck myself, he's telling me to fuck, everybody's telling me to go fuck myself! And I was just like, it's so, ex- it's just so wonderful. Like, it's so, just, it's quotable as fuck. And like, so yeah, I love his performance. i think like, and John, like, it, yeah, no, everybody in the movie is great. And like the whole, it's funny because it's like the way it was shot is definitely not the way that like things like because they clearly spent money. Yeah, and it's like a kind of movie that mm-hmm. I don't even know if would it like occur at this point because it's like it seems like a slam dunk, but also it's like maybe not because it's like but it's like so it's like the fact that they clearly spent a lot of money on this one random movie with like. Robert De Niro and Charles groden as basically like a buddy movie, like buddy road movie where they're it's a comedy but they're expected to do all the comedy heavy lifting. All of that seems insane on paper, but somehow someone convinced them that yes, it's a total there's a totally brilliant way to spend a shitload of money and it worked apparently. So rock off.
1: I know, it does feel like the blank check Martin Brest got to make after Beverly Hills Cop. Like that kind of, oh no, you can get De Niro, you and do all this web stuff and spend all this money and go cross country it, um, and get helicopters. And it, it, yeah, it, that absolutely feels like that. Um, yeah, going to Andy, I just want to make a point that I do need to uh, credit Andy and also Preston Mitchell for this double because Preston did want to be part of this double, but then I turned this into Leone series and we spent five hours talking about what's uh, upon a time in the West and now he's very tired. So it is, um, You two kind of want to do an episode together to hang out, which we do have another one planned. But I remember making a snarky comment. I goes, oh, what is this going to be? An 80s action movie and a classic Western. And then you kept both of you came back with this double and I had to go, "Okay, bravo, guys, bravo.
2: To be fair, the Midnight Run was all Preston. I was (laughs) was, was like, sign me up for the four few dollars. more." (laughs) But uh and it was it was great because I was like I much like Patrick I hadn't watched it in a long long time because mm. there's there's a lot of movies I I tend to rewatch my it annoys the hell out of my my wife but I'm like that's just what I that's just who I am that's what I like and this is not one but now it's one that I will revisit more often now that I'm I think now that I'm a little bit older because I saw it when I was younger and uh, some of the humor didn't quite hit some of the reoccurring jokes weren't as funny to me when I was younger but now that I'm uh, older and just seeing these actors and seeing de niro be kind of while still de niro not your typical de niro what you think he's charming yeah really what i like it yeah he's charming he's funny he there's that scene with his you know family and his daughter that's really like a kind of a gut punch right in the middle of it i was like oh we did but you kind of need that to show why his character is where he is and Mm. but uh yeah and much like patrick it's hard to not compare it to some of the you know like our favorite directors or directors we like to compare their works and it's, sometimes it's not fair because yeah Beverly Hills Cop is always going to be up here and much like you Lindsay I like part two slightly better than Beverly Hills Cop one but this is you know in this the this is Martin, all just Martin, for Coddington Russian isn't Vidal. it
3: this is in the Coddington like this is you are know, all kissing up to Coddington
1: we, we're in the Coddington yeah. hive mind and uh this is how it, <laughs> it happened it's just like all of a sudden I'm like no I think I do like Beverly Hills Cop 2 more I think yeah it, yes uh, no, it's all because John Ashton, Ryan Holt, and Murphy get to hang out more and do Cobra references, which I think is delightful. It, um, which is super
2: funny. It's super yes. fun.
1: No, I think it is really hard not to, because con- I was thinking of Beverly Hills Cop all the way through watching this. I even saw this a couple of years ago for the first time, because I would always watch Beverly Hills Cop too. I think the humor in it is a little bit more accessible because Eddie, Eddie Murphy's humor is a little bit more accessible. to just You get it. A lot quicker than more than Charles Grodin who is very prickly sure. and you have to kind of walk around a little bit but I think watching it this time around I think they, they are even though they look this very very similar feel because it's Martin Breast. I think they are two very different movies especially with the performances because
4: mm-hmm.
1: Eddie uh, Beverly Hills Cop relies on Eddie Murphy's energy where this one relies on De Niro's and um, and Grodin who are two very prickly actors trying to be charming, which I think is a really interesting <laughs> experiment. Though I will agree with Patrick, nothing is more funnier than Joey Pants yelling on the phone, going, you're telling me to fuck myself. He's telling me to fuck myself. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's it's just this poor, exasperated asshole who's trying to cheat everyone and, but not lose his business. And he keeps like making it worse. Is like, and he, all always is, this is the power of Joey Pants. He's just in a room on his own, mostly screaming at people. And he gives one of the best performances in the movie but yeah i think it's got a very different energy and i think because it's denaro and Grodin, it may feel very prickly at first but then i think denaro gets to be hot in this he's usually doesn't get to be charming at all like he's he's one of the great actors but he's a gangster he's troubles fickle he's um uh from raging bull i forgot the character name he's playing he's it's always Jake Jake he's these very difficult characters where you just you not don't totally want to be in the same room with them. But Jack in this movie actually gets to be charming and fun, and and it gets to bounce off people. And it's it's a real I really love his performance in this. Yeah,
3: yeah, I mean, me the movie too. in general really is definitely it's, like, it's definitely a bigger scale than the, yeah. the Cop, so it's kind of harder to compare mm-hmm. on that level. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but like I definitely think like, know, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want to fuck De Niro, but I do think De Niro is very like he's very like he's very good. In the movie, like, I was like, but I mean, it was also during the era. It's funny because I was like, I was re watching um, the fan yesterday, speaking of like things that make Covington happy. Um, Bobby! Sorry, I have to do that
4: every single
3: time. <laughs> I, was, I was watching that yesterday and I was like, it is funny. There's a time, because like you watch stuff from De Niro now, and I don't think that like, necessarily, like he's terrible now or anything, but it definitely seemed like there was a time when he cared way more than he currently does. So it's like watching mm-hmm. stuff like from like the 80s and 90s, it's like, holy crap, like this dude is amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, it what? yeah, he does care more. It's only if he's really in a Scorsese movie now, especially with the Irishman, we're like, oh, this is De Niro caring again. Okay, I, I know what this is. And now he's going to be in the new one as well. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. even if it's a smaller performance and not as much screen time as, say, because Scorsese has both his muses in the same movie, which it feels a little weird to have Leo and De Niro in the same movie. I'm like, hmm, you're bringing your two mistresses a bit too close, Marty. But it is, it, yeah, but he is so good, especially when he's by the having the fire of the conversation with Rodin. And mm-hmm. they're just kind of having this kind of really first heart to heart. Well, not heart to heart, but they're getting along. And yeah, De Niro's in it He he's getting to be a little sillier, but he absolutely cares about what he's doing in the craft and making this movie work.
2: He also gets to kind of like be that rare comedy action star where like you 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 know that he's capable of everything because they kind of set up oh he was a cop but then he didn't want to be bought out and everything so he got ran out of town and now he's he's this deadbeat bounty hunter guy who's just turning in small little you know like stuff for chump change just to kind of make it to the next the next uh you know bounty and the next yeah. the next payday but but you're right there's sometimes where you see him i was like man he's 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 fit and he looks good in this movie like <laughs>
1: Because It has to do a lot of running. I mean, especially in the um when Rodin's pulling him out of the river. Like it he's having to actually do some stuff. I mean, it's not like today when Tom Cruise and Keanu Reeves are expected to do like 70% of their own stance with Tom Cruise just trying to kill himself by jumping off a cliff. But <laughs> yeah, he's he's kind of doing some stuff. And he was known as the great seventies actor. He was the kind of what every other actor wanted to be after that and then you're watching him in this and he's still giving that kind of performance but it's not as intense because the character isn't as tense he's just a sad man who lost everything because of Dennis Farina god I love him so much um yeah you just it's about him kind of rebuilding his life in a way with this weird ass um fake well you he's actually is neurotic I mean the scene is like why are you eating that it's like don't you know it's bad for you? Oh. Yeah, it was bad for you, but I don't think about it. Like, stop eating that. Like, I, I love, from the very get-go from when they first meet, they have this amazing phantom with each other and you can just, the way Grodin just needles is, is I, I love it so much.
3: And like the way, the thing you actually just brought up was also speaking of things that so make Cullington happy. Um, like, the, the, the movie that I almost picked for the trailer was because like the way that the movie ends, with like the whole thing of basically like turning everybody on each other whatever, mm. was I was like my first thought was uh, Domino. Like I was just like, oh, it yeah. nervous, but it ends made- with everybody turning on each other. I was <laughs> just like, that's why I thought of it. And like watching this again, I was just like, that was the first thing I thought of, because I've watched Domino so many times. And I'm like, oh, they're doing the Domino thing. Even though this obviously predates Domino, but like 20 no, years.
1: I, yeah, <laughs> I was going to choose out of sight, but I kind of wanted to bring the trailers down a little bit to go into Midnight Run as, as in the kind of the mood. But yeah, out of sight definitely, has that same vibe as well that everyone's turning on each other um with JLo and um uh george clooney just being the sexiest people in the room even though george clooney's still doing that weird head thing he does when he was an early actor um but it, it, yeah you're right it is this kind of thing of everyone's kind of playing each other and then you just have Yefakoto who <laughs> behind the eight ball constantly because he's on the fbi i mean the fact that he takes half the movie to realize that his badge has been stolen is it is, is only a joke i just started giggling at now like it's got this movie has layers to the human. like there's some things you just won't pick up on until you watch it for like the third time. Plus also Yefek
2: Kato is just amazing and everything but go uh, ahead. Yes. Yeah he is. I was gonna say the one that stole the show for me was actually John Ashton who I forgot was in it because I hadn't seen it in so long and I was like oh Beverly Hills Cop and I'm like wait this isn't this isn't Beverly Hills Cop John Ashton the you know by the books. Scumbag, speaking of scumbags. He's a a scumbag, but I love that little bits when he's like, you know, when Yafi Koto steals his like smokes, and then later he's like, Watch your smokes around that guy. And it's just like little bits like that, the the door bit, and also Robert De Niro just going look over there. And then knocking him out every time made me crack up this time around. And I was just like, okay, I, that, that could have happened five more times in the movie. And I would have laughed as hard every single
1: time. He is <laughs> such an idiot. I love it. It a um, dumbass. is. <laughs> don't you read the news? I read the news. Who's this guy? Like, it's just, he, oh my God. And the fact that when Joey Pence goes, yeah, I'm going to give you $25,000 just after he's promised, um, De a hundred grand is, he is such a stupid dumbass, but he's, he's, yeah, he is amazing in this. And every single time I see John Aston pop up in something, I'm so happy. But Martin Briss knew how to hook that man up and he's incredible in, in this. He is, he does get some of the best lines.
3: No, yeah, he's, you know, he is great. I mean, he's great, obviously. I can't remember, I mean, also like some kind of wonderful like I can't remember ever seeing him in a movie and not enjoying it. It is mm-hmm. funny though, like, because I feel like he's one of those guys, because like this movie, because uh, like you mentioned Farina and everything. I feel like it's, like, it has, like, the Chicago vibe in the best possible way. Yes. Where it's, like, because, like, I grew up, like, really, like, a big fan of, like, John Hughes and, like, later on became, like, a big fan of, like, Michael Mann. And, like, there's always a lot of, like, Chicago, like, vibes in a lot of stuff that I'm just, like, this movie is, like, even though it's cross-country, so it's not, like, specific, it's, like, because you know how much of it in like this, like the, the Chicago is almost like the centerpiece of it. It is. And like it definitely like gives it that vibe, which I think it, I think is really cool personally.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the, the thing I love about Joey Pence is that he's not actually from Chicago. I think he's from New Jersey or something. Yeah. But he's, so but I think he's such a quintessential feels like a Chicago guy, mainly because he keeps playing Chicago as like a bound and, and uh, running scared. And there's a few other things. And, and this because he's the one in Chicago um, yelling on the phone. And then he has to get him to from New York to LA, uh, De Niro to Grodin. Yeah, it does have this really cool Chicago feel. Even something like, um, I know it's not Chicago, it's uh, Michigan, Detroit that uh, Axel Foley's from going into. Yeah. Yeah. It yep. does have that same kind of northern Midwest feel to it that, mm. um, that I really love about both those movies. They just kind of, um, switched it out and, and the two, but the two states are next to each other from memory. So, um, yeah. as an Andy is Ken is very close to Chicago than the both of us. <laughs> yeah, no, I, am
2: actually. actually yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Go ahead, go ahead. I don't know where you're, where you're from. I'm, I'm actually right now where I'm I'm living. I'm equidistant between Detroit and Chicago. So I oh, can be nice. each of them in about two about two and a half hours. Yep. So I can go be I can go see Axel Foley or I can go see Joey uh, Joey Pants whichever I need to. You no,
3: know, I feel like I feel like miraculously you'd go to either and get
2: stabbed immediately. Like you just get stabbed repeatedly <laughs> and then die. <laughs> That's why you don't leave the car. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, it does have that kind of feel. And you're right, Chicago is the set piece of that movie, and it kind of runs through the whole movie, even though they're going cross country and they're going from kind of the mid, the kind of uh, not Midwest. uh, They go to the Midwest, but they're kind of going through these kind of smaller, more uh, central states. And then they end up in the airport in in LA, but it is kind of a, I mean, there was a few in the eighties. I mean, trains, planes, trains and automobiles, but this kind of feels like that because they are literally trying to take every form of transportation to get to LA and Gordon is just, not having any of it the way he's just delaying every single inevitability is amazing
3: that was another movie that i was thinking of like for a trailer because i was just like that's what it also reminds me of where it's like the the two mismatch like guys who like are still trapped traveling together or like through every possible (laughs) means it's basically just like the action version of that
1: it really is though i love planes and trains and especially just because of john candy um just going i like me my wife likes me i mean it's such (laughs) <laughs> oh, God, Jeff Candy. We didn't deserve him. And we're just with this sort of Steve Martin being at his most acidic. It is very kind of similar. But, yeah, I mean, there's certain chemistry when you put two guys together. And I don't know who thought of Grodin and De Niro, but it works so well.
3: I mean, yeah, I can't yeah, think of I any mean, time where the- I didn't like Grodin. Like, even when I was a little kid. Like, i have always, like, from, like, watching, like, Beethoven, I mean, I've always liked Grodin. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah Beethoven, Beethoven yeah.
1: Beethoven was my introduction. Actually, no, I lie. It would have been the Great Muppet Caper, but I wouldn't have not have trusted him because he was being a bad guy and seducing Miss Piggy away from mm-hmm. Kermit. So, um, but is you now one of my favorite movies. <laughs> At the time, Which is still I the
2: best part because Kermit doesn't care either way.
1: <laughs> he's literally the please take my wife. No, please take it. Um, yeah.
2: I didn't need. A, I mean, if you if you aren't bought into Groden on the bus scene when they're you know when he first picks him up and they're leaving and he's like he's like are you smoking and then he's like yeah i'm smoking it's like but it's bad for you and he goes i know and he's like and you realize secondhand smoke is wor- like the, just the, how that deadpan deliver and it's just like finally he's like so why aren't you a cop again in chicago like he keeps i love how he he's bringing up that question after he's irritated the hell out of him to the nth degree it's like how can i go one step further by the way why aren't you a cop again in chicago and he's just like and you can tell de niro's every part of his being is like I want to punch this man. I want to shoot this man, but I need a, a hundred thousand dollars, way more than that.
1: No, I mean, even in, when they're, um, he gets into the plane and he's sitting down and it's like first class, it's gorgeous. There's tape. I mean, it's like sort of fantasy. And Gordon just says, I don't like flying. Like it's this very sort of <laughs> quiet. And then it builds to when he's just sort of screaming, but the I don't like flying. It's what do you mean you don't like flying? It's flying fine. It's like, mm, I don't like flying. Joey Pants is like when he finally tells him he doesn't like to fly after four days he's just like what do you mean he doesn't fly I don't know it's just the way this movie builds up the jokes of every single time and then when they just let grow I mean oh my god when they're in the diner they don't have any money um because John Aston's cancelled the credit card he just dumps the think coins on the thing and he's just looking he's looking at the food you can tell he's hungry and he's just and goes what would you like oh I'll have a coffee and he's like how much is coffee 53 cents looks at the coins How much is uh, tea? 53 cents. Looks at the coins, looks back at her. Like he is milking every single moment. (laughs) And then he just goes, I'll have tea. I don't know why that is so funny. It's like goddamn in Blues Brothers when the guy is like holding up. I think it's like a Fozzie going, do you have Miss Piggy? And it just makes me laugh every single time. (laughs) Just this weird line rating that I'm just like, and I'm losing it.
2: I mean, from the very moment when she tell, when she says what the actual specials are, even though they know they don't have any money, and he's just like, she's like, it's eggs with chorizo. He's like, what's uh, what's chorizo? She's like, that's uh, Mexican sausage. That sounds great. And then he's just, yeah. just so yeah. dedicated. It's like I'm so hungry, but he's like, I'll have tea, and uh, just I'll have tea. And, uh, you know, <laughs> De Niro just smoking. He goes, I don't, I don't, I don't need anything. You can have it. And he's just yeah. like, he's like, just looking at him, like, really? That's what I get?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. And the fact that you find mm. out that he has like $300,000 trapped to him this whole entire time. I mean, it's
2: such a nice cap on the end of that. He's just like, he's like, I didn't say I didn't have money. Just...
3: Yeah. <laughs> Which to be fair though, I, I remember watching this like again, like it was just like, I didn't think about it the first time I saw it. And I was like, the fact that they all that he has it's all like thousand dollar bills yes i was like i don't know if you could spend that anyway honestly like good point probably put it in the bank but i don't know if you can like bring it to a diner and be like yes i will pay for my meal with this thousand dollar bill oh i'm my pretty God. sure they'll tell you to go fuck yourself like yeah your the, the,
1: the amount of time someone gives me a larger bill and it's only for a 50 for like a few dollars thing i have got to stop rolling my eyes to the back of my head because i'm just like and here we go it's like <laughs> yeah here i'm just sliding for 53 dollars, which i love the fact that t was 53 cents even in 1987 money um sliding the um thousand dollar bill going and here we go and here just looking at it looking at it, just be like oh seriously just people looking down and looking up again like Rodin with the coins it's um yeah it's it's i love the fact that he's holding thousand dollar bills because there's no way he could be able to spend that like dinero could go buy a coffee shop oh my god the thing when he's like saying i want to open a like a cafe and he's like well if i was your accountant i would told you not to do that because that is a risky proposition it's he can't help himself like he's that i think he's that generally that guy who will just I'm kind of surprised that Dennis' friend didn't shoot him in the head like way before um, he stole the money.
2: I think the way that, the reason the humor works is it's not constantly beating you over the head with like joke after joke after joke. There's, there are some quiet scenes, like we said, on the train when they have their little heart to heart. You can see that friendship starting to develop when they go to... Um, uh, Although
3: even before that, I will say I do love the train when he puts him in the little like closet. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's so- I I also like when he,
2: when... He in turn jumps on the when he pushes Groden on the train, and then Groden closes the door like ha ha, and then he climbs (laughs) over (laughs) and and he just looks up. He's like, I could try and close the door, but I'm just not going to. (laughs) But uh, but the scene when they go to um, uh, um, De Niro's ex's house and there's like a, a legit. Fight between two people that still care for each other clearly, and then when the daughter walks in, and then man, when the daughter runs out to try to give him some money and he just can't take it, I was just like, oh man, that, that gut punch! And it's like I think that's why the humor works is that it's balanced out well with everything else, and it's when the the jokes lat, hit, you haven't been laughing the entire movie, so you're kind of waiting for the next one to happen.
1: I love yeah. the scene with his ex-wife. It is such a yeah, it's such a sad moment because you realize everything he's lost because of principle. Like he lost everything, and the right. fact that he clearly hasn't seen his daughter in quite a while, and the fact that mm-hmm. all she wants to do is like, "I have one hundred and eighty dollars." He's like, "I can't take, I can't take that." Like that's not, um, and the way he sort of says, "I just assumed we'd always get back together," when that is clearly never going to happen. Now, too much time has one sort of gut punch to that scene. Like it just works perfectly and De Niro just plays it perfectly And just the way Grodin is kind of there in the corner just looking at everyone going I want to hide this is a this this is way too awkward I don't want to be here it is but he doesn't move and he's so tall that he towers over everyone it's it's got <laughs> yeah no matter how serious this movie gets Grodin's always there looking at someone and you can't help but giggle, giggle.
2: just his looks his facial expressions are yeah and then I love the whole Pay off with the joke of the plane when he's like, I didn't say I can't fly a plane. I just don't <laughs> like flying. Like he's just, <laughs> there's just stuff that you don't expect that just hits. And it's really funny.
1: Especially when he's actually trying to escape in like a little douchey plane. He's like, Oh, you don't like flying. Yep. It's, like, it's like, he's it's right like, a Turn
2: it off. No. And he's like, I'm not, I am not sorry for this. Boom. Punches him <laughs> Just throws him <laughs> Like, doesn't even stop the plane. It just drags around in circles <laughs> yes. until it comes to rest on a car or something. I was like, Oh, boy.
1: I mean, yeah, this movie is just really well done. Like, I can just imagine that Martin Press just didn't get bothered with this movie. I don't know. Well, he might not have gotten bothered with uh, Beverly Hills Cop because yeah, they just let Eddie Murphy do what he wanted. But the amount of helicopters in this movie is insane. Patrick, uh, yeah, I don't know why. But yeah, when you're just watching and realize how big this movie's getting, it's insane.
3: No, yeah, that, that's my main thing watching it. Like, I didn't remember that until I was rewatching. I mean, I guess he, it's like, Almost, I feel like in retrospect, um, Beverly Hills Cop was probably like the. I mean, might be. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it is or not, but it feels like probably the lowest budgeted thing he ever did, mm-hmm. Martin Bresk, Because like after that, you have like this. You have Meet Black, which is that, um, <laughs> and then there is like. <laughs> but even like Geely, it feels like a bigger like ver- Like it's like I feel like everything that he's done since Beverly Hills Cop has been like whatever like it was like this smaller version but like then you have this where it's basically just like it's funny because it kind of reminds me of um what people and i don't necessarily agree with this but like what people say um fury road is where it's just like one giant chase scene mm. i was like this almost is literally that except for he's not really chasing the guy per se because the guy is usually like attached to him but yeah. it's basically <laughs> just like this constant motion like it's, it's almost like it's kind of like Every frame is just them like crossing into like another state, another form of transportation. Like it's just like this constant like thing. But in between is like all these okay. almost like little like sketches, like in between. So it's like, it's the weirdest mm-hmm. like way of like making a movie, but it works somehow. Like it still feels big and grand.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's something mm-hmm. I said about once upon a time in the West already. It was kind of like the whole movie's made of these little vignettes and have their own little arc, like a beginning, middle and end, like the beginning scene to that that movie has a beginning and middle and an end and then you go to the next part of the, the movie this is kind of the same thing each is these little vignettes but they all kind they don't necessarily have a beginning middle and end but they all kind of work and patch together to and you're right there's a constant motion like when they're in the car being chased by the helicopter i'm like oh my god me and patrick are doing another road chase movie excellent and they flying, but they're not jumping off the cliff this time um <laughs> it's it's got, it, but it's kind of got this thing. It's a, just a few emotions, it's just one big chase thing. And then it builds and it builds and it builds because one moment it's just John Asht- John Ashton screwing with them. Then it's the FBI, but then it's the mafia. It just keeps building until the point where almost every single one is after them. And they're all double crossing each other just to get Charles Grodin. Like that is the whole point. And I do love the ending when he's talking to pants on the phone because um, Pence is just on the phone in this movie. It is, he goes, Yeah, I've got him. He's in LA. I said I'd do what I do. Now say goodbye. And it is.
2: And now I'm going to let him go.
1: going to let him go. <laughs> it's
2: like, What? He's like, I do what I said I do.
1: <laughs> yeah. so, exactly. that's, yeah. the, that's
3: kind of the, it's almost like the Western aspect of it, where it's like he is a man of his weird. So he did what he said he was going to do. Mm. It's like mm-hmm. he he did his duty. But it's like once he gets there, it's like, Okay, now i make my own choice. And he makes that choice. Yep. Very much so. Just, like he
1: said, he was tasked with the thing. He'd get into LA. He did. And then after that, it's anyone's game. And it's, yeah, I love how De Niro is a man of his word to the point where it constantly gets him in trouble.
2: Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> um, going back to Martin, Martin Breston, the, the, the budgets between this and Beverly Hills Cop, has anybody destroyed more cop cars in a single uh, movie yes. i don't know yes. Brothers. Not, yes john that's it john no Magnus yes you're Bruce right i'm brothers. sorry yes. Yes. okay okay sorry but still that was a lot uh, it was a lot kinda, of cop
1: cars but it yeah. was a
2: lot i mean they were in a desert that was flipping over sea a, of cop cop cars. A, <laughs> a sea of cop cars and i was like wait a minute those man. Martin Bruss just hates cop cars. <laughs> it's like who doesn't? Who doesn't? Angie? <laughs> who doesn't?
1: <laughs> just not. In, just there's not as much as John Lance apparently when he was making Blues Brothers because that was a sea of cop cars just all getting.
2: That's true. I totally spaced on that one.
1: Still don't know Good how we, not get away with that in terms of point, but just how he dressed up so many, got so many cars, dressed them up like cop cars to destroy. I don't know how that budget
2: worked because. I know. Yeah, Blue cop oh. cars budget.
1: Yeah. <laughs> takes up most of the budget, and the other part is John Belushi's cocaine. But it is.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is. Oh. It, but yes, yeah, so many cop cars. But I'm no, sure i sure he paid.
2: I'm pretty sure he spent his own money on that. Come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is how I think budgets worked in nineteen eighties movies. I just think it's all cocaine.
2: I mean, there's. You're probably not that far off. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, D'Souza wasn't involved. And I know there's got to be cocaine when D'Souza's involved, like it. But no, I mean, there is a lot of cars getting destroyed. And it was kind of a thing that happened a lot in the 80s. I don't know if it started with the Blues Brothers and might have that they just went, oh, this is a cool effect. Just having cars being thrown off everything. I mean, the amount of, cop cars that go off cliffs in this movie is kind of insane I'm like wait are there people in there what what's what yeah I mean it's it's, it is a lot I think the
3: first one would have been Smokey and the Bandit I'm oh yes I would imagine because that had like a lot of stuff that like ended up in like Blues Brothers and stuff so like I feel like like that probably opened Pandora's box oh my god the destruction of cop Mm -hmm. cars oh is it
1: is it Jackie oh who's the cop in Smokey and the Bandit Jackie Gleason. Uh,
2: Jackie Gleason.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the amount of his cop car just gets damaged to the end. It's just like a platform with wheels. It's just one of the it's funniest, funny frame. jokes to me. <laughs> yes. And it's still one of the funny, even when he's like doing like um, domestic abuse jokes, when he's telling his son, I hate you so much, I'm going to go back and slap your mother. It's still one of the funniest <laughs> lines to me, even though I know how dark it is.
2: <laughs> especially when he goes to close the door that's not there anymore. <laughs> like stuff like that was, is, is, yeah. Um,
1: it that's so great.
2: Maybe. Maybe cop cars smashing because of the sirens when they hit, you always get the cool sound when they hit of the, you know, like it, the thing turning <laughs> off or like, you know, it's always such a cool sound as well as a visual of just seeing metal smash. So,
4: yes. I, I mean, mean, yes,
3: the destruction yeah. of cop cars is always great. So that's, that's basically the lesson to take away from this.
4: Uh, the <laughs>
3: destruction of cop cars <laughs> is always wonderful.
1: And also the cops in this movie are mostly incompetent. I mean, Koto is one of the greats. I love him in everything. <laughs> but he's a terrible FBI agent. Like he just does not- Really bad. He's really bad. Like he does not notice anything. He does not realize certain things, even when um, uh, uh, Dennis Farina takes the discs he needs to to get, uh, the, get the things back and everything like that. He, does, he He's such a always behind the eight ball, but because he's at Kodo, he's just goddamn awesome. Him in those like Ray-Bans is just the coolest thing ever. Like I, he's just like, oh God, Yefik Kodo was the best. <laughs>
3: I miss you F. Kudo.
1: I, I do, me too. Mm-hmm. Would, yeah. And he he was never in enough stuff. Like he's was such a good actor, but he kills this role as a terrible FBI agent. But this cast mm-hmm. is insane. We'll get into how it, this is just a double of insane casts. But this one you just like everyone is now in this. I mean, purely because of uh Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, you have De Niro, you have Grodin, you have Farina, you have um, oh, yeah, the yes. Koto, like everyone is coming into play with this movie.
3: I mean, for me, that thing is like that's kind of like probably the biggest selling point um because like, yeah, all of like the action is cool and like, the comedy works, and everything. but it's like the reason that like ultimately, I think it all like ties together is because you assembled just such good actors from top to bottom because like um, if you're speaking of like the rundown, it's like the reason that kind of works is like, as we mentioned, like Sean, William Scott is good. better than he gets credit for being. Yes. And the rock, I still would say is better. Than he gets credit for being like, as much as people hey, want to hey. say things, they can say whatever, but like, I definitely think he's better. Than, like, like he's, he's very good. Um, yep. He just does the, mo- he doesn't do anything. Challenging. Just, ever, he, yeah, but that's like, what I was gonna say.
1: Like when I mean if you've ever oh shoot, what's that movie called when he's in that weird one with Michelle Gallagher? Southland
3: Tales. Yes. So yeah, Southland Tales, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: when you're watching the Southland Tales, he is amazing. And I kind of wish he would just take more weird swings like that. But in saying that, Black mm-hmm. like Adam was a big swing, it's just I don't know what <laughs> there's a quality there's a I can't big swing. Yeah. There's a quality I don't I, know how to describe why I don't like that movie because I've only seen half of it. Um I went to bed but there's (laughs) something it's like, it's got, it's doing too much, but not enough at the same time. It's a very strange movie. Like when you're sort of breaking it down, it's like, yeah. I I
2: think there's a, I I think there's a difference between a big swing because you're passionate about a project and there's a Mm -hmm. big swing when your ego's involved and it's all ego driven. And that's what the black Adam feels like to me. It's like, well, you know, Superman isn't the face of DC. I am dude, shut up. I'm a long-term DC, long-time DC fan. And no, Superman and Batman are what bring everybody to the table. And then we get these other characters, which are equally awesome. And we all know who the greatest character in all comic books is, (laughs) but we don't have to talk about it. Do we? Do we, Andy? Um, I'm not going to. Yes, we I'm do, not gonna, Patrick. I'm, it is Dick Grayson, aka Nightwing, the greatest character in all of comics and you human being.
3: You have so many problems that you just deeply. This is very. Therapy is not even enough. Like electroshock. I've, holy Lord. Um, but no, like to your points. I will say with the, the, he wasn't like, he knew how important Superman was, which was the whole reason they were sure. doing that whole thing where he was like, he couldn't fight Shazam, even though that's literally the character's enemy.
1: I was going to say, like, right. I know, isn't, I know. He like, isn't he like a Shazam guy, but he had to like yes. do his it's, own yeah. thing, yeah. yeah.
2: He just but wanted to fight Superman Rock, because he wanted exactly. to be, yeah. Mm. Yes,
3: he was like, so, so he's, like, he's well aware of the importance of Superman. So like, let's not get it twisted, Like he's well okay, aware yes, of that. yes, I'm sorry, you're right,
2: no. Yes, I was talking more about the ego side of things, but you are correct, yes. And I think you're right. You cannot deny just the sheer charisma the guy has on screen. When he shows up, you want to watch him. So I agree with you, Lindsay. I would love to see him kind of go back, take a, a few steps back and not worry about being the this image that he's created or, you know, like The Rock and just be Dwayne Johnson, the actor. I guess doing- I would like to see that
1: yeah because i didn't love the movie um and i still don't i think he's like weirdly like tom Cruise. he doesn't know how head of chemistry with, with other with a with a woman on screen but jungle cruise i actually didn't hate like I, and oh, i think no, I he was, it. yeah he's actually really it. i mean it's,
3: it's not my favorite but it's not bad it's
1: not, no it's not bad and he's actually really charming in it i mean yes it, and... is, it is the mummy redone but you gotta start in scorpion king so and in the Good mummy point. too so it's not, it's yeah, I think it's a really, he's really charming. So when he's just kind of being a, just a good movie star, I think he's really, really good. And he, he doesn't have to go do Southland Tales again. So I understand that movie's weird mm-hmm. um, and makes, puts up a lot of people. But if he goes to like another rundown or another um, walking Tall, I think that could just something to remind people of like, oh no, he's a movie star for a reason. This wasn't like some mm-hmm. sort of hype, but just kind of, your nick, nick down and just to sort of go back to a little bit of the basics and then you can I mean if we're
3: being again. totally fair I mean I don't think Southland sales is ever going to happen again anyway no like, no one will
1: allow
3: it <laughs> one thing is like I was actually with somebody the other day with I was talking about Richard Kelly I remember how it came up but I was just like I think I was talking about like director jail where I was like basically you get to fail twice and it's like you basically you get like you get like one failure and then they'll give you one more chance and if you fail twice you're just done at that point I was like Richard Kelly made Donnie Darko which everybody loved And then, like, he made Southland Tales, which there are ardent fans of, Mm. but it was definitely divisive. And so it was like, you get one more chance, buddy, and he did the box, and nobody liked it, and it didn't make any money. So it was like, never seeing you again, bro. You don't even see (laughs) interviews with that guy anymore. He just doesn't exist. Oh, So it's like, Southland Tales will not happen again. There's
1: a few few podcasts he has popped up on, and he's really excited about movies, and then... Oh, I love him. He's great,
3: but he'll never do anything ever again, because, like, he just... Nobody will trust him with money ever
4: again. Oh, it's like, it's, it's like, like the guy like, who no. made the
1: following and then he made Under the Silver Lake, which is kind of I yes love that movie. I realize it's very Southland Tales, very divisive. It's very kind of hard to kind of get you wrap your arms around it. Um, I genuinely love that movie, but I don't think anyone's that keen on giving that guy money for something else because it's like, yeah, we like the following. Love the following. This movie, I don't know what this is. Like this is some <laughs> weird stuff. But speaking of director jail if Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lawrence, uh, not Jennifer Lawrence, if...
3: Lopez, um, no, yeah. J-Lo.
1: Wrong couple, J-Lo, are back together. <laughs> why can't we give Martin Brest one more shot? I mean, I do realise he made two movies that got him in director jail. Mick Joe Black and, and G-Lee. But um, just, there's an unfairness. I mean, both those guys' careers... Okay, were- Fine. mom. <laughs> Pressing seemed to be put in jail oh, for it.
2: I thought you meant with them in it again. I was like, no. No, Martin no, no, Pressing no, no. No.
1: no, he doesn't make a movie with them. I'm just saying Ben Affleck and j are fine, and they are even back together in a yeah. relationship. So, the Grammys, you can see Ben Affleck's looking at all his decisions to that point, wondering how he got there. But well, I mean, is- he
3: did say and I agree with it, because I have the same thing, where he's like, this is my resting face. I just have, like, resting bitch face. And I was like, <laughs> I, yeah, no, I understand, dude. And people will honestly be like, people will like, yell, yell at me and be like, it's like, oh, smile. I'm like, what? I'm just, I'm perfectly content. Just leave me the hell alone.
1: Like, Jesus Christ. Well, this is what every woman goes through. Why don't you smile more? It's like, stop it. Yes. <laughs> but um, it is, yeah, he does Chris actually Patrick, have resting bitch face. Yeah, he does have resting bitch <laughs> face. But those two are actually sort of back together. And Martin Breast should not direct either of them, but I am saying that we should give Martin Breast another shot because sure. it does seem unfair that um, J-Lo and uh, Ben Affleck who was Batman, by the way, is not, their acting jail did not last as long as Martin Bress directed jail.
3: True. I mean, I, my only thing with it is I don't necessarily think you're wrong, but also it's like, there is this weird thing that I feel like happens when you have like a director, like kind of like come back to like a genre that like, that they like were, it's like where they were like kind of like the like the king of, or at least they were like one of the, like the elder statesmen of, and like it can go very bad. Like the example that I think of, we mean Brian De Palma, is... yes. Oh Jesus, I wasn't even going to go there. <laughs> um, now Rob's really just sad. Rob's is a very sad man now. Uh, yes, proud of yourself. No, um, his last movie.
1: Was, I I I am just a bigger fan of De Palma as Rob, maybe even slightly more. But his last movie was not.
3: Great. I mean, I'm not even a De Palma guy, so I have no dog in that fight. But um, yeah. my whole thing was. Uh, Chris Columbus, when he made uh, I Love You, Beth Cooper. Oh, uh, yes. Where it's like on paper, I was like, oh, cool. He's going back to doing like Avengers babysitting again. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, so he can't do that anymore. Gotcha, all right, good to know. (laughs) Like, so it's like, my whole thing was like, if you bring back Martin Brest, I'm like, well, so I don't know if you have good movies left in you because like, despite, okay. I don't really have feelings about be one way or another. Uh, and I've never actually seen more than like I think five minutes Meet Joe Black, but like what I've gotten from both was not a desire to see more. So like I don't necessarily know that like I, if, he, if, he, if somebody was willing to give him another shot, I'm not like against it. Like I would totally watch that, but my expectations would be very much in check like before I actually
1: watch sure. them. It's like yeah, sometimes it's kind of the big uh, thing of does a director stay amazing forever, like say a Scorsese or Spielberg, or do they kind of Lose their way a little. Like, I didn't love Walter Hill's last movie. Was it The Replacements with um that weird movie with the hitman getting gender reassignment surgery against his will and became. I don't
3: remember what it's called, but yeah, like I mean, what is he like? I mean, like I think like Scorsese and like Spielberg are like freaks. Yeah, it's like if you watch like most like I remember when I was like speaking of like the Netflix thing and like when I watched this, I used to like diagram directors' careers. you would always Mm -hmm. see like it's like build up build up it's like almost like a roller coaster yes and then like you would see like then like the downturn as soon as they would have like a last gasp they like like, one would make great movie but then it would usually just go downhill Mm. but like scorsese and spielberg are like freaks like it's like they're the only guys who have managed to just keep it going for like decades and decades and decades like most dudes by this point would have just crashed and burned but like even the other movie rats like i remember like that was my whole thing was like when scorsese made the marvel comments and everybody was like jumping on him, and I was just like, I am the biggest nerd I know, and I'm telling you to fuck off because, like, if anyone deserves it, it's like he can say whatever the hell he wants. And like Coppola yeah. tried to jump up and I was like, No, 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 you sit the fuck down. You haven't made it- a, a good movie in my lifetime. It's like Scorsese can say what he wants. Uh, you you mean,
1: Dra- you mean apart from Dracula.
3: <laughs> I am not doing this, I refuse to do this. <laughs>
1: I, I like, will not, not be dragged you, into this. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> I don't know. Rob Obviously. and I have
3: similar feelings on Dracula. I
2: was about That's to say, I just want it. Patrick. <laughs> I just want Patrick to go off on Coppola like Rob did on uh, Film Feast.
1: <laughs> I heard. I I, I I have heard and I'm I love Rob, but it, he can be wrong sometimes. <laughs> no,
2: we all can it, be wrong sometimes.
1: <laughs> we all can be wrong sometimes. No, it is I'm still looking forward to Metropolis because I think it's gonna be a mess and I'm excited. Um, but yeah I think I think that is generally right I think most directors have a peak and then whether it's budgets whether it is just changing technologies or just the crew around you is different because times change or whether you actually start to lose it I mean my favorite director Billy Wilder still made Avanti and the man who was so good at dealing with sexuality in the 60s couldn't do it in the 70s because everything had changed around it and he had to be he couldn't change with it and And the same thing is probably Martin Brest. He made two, a couple of, he was such a really good indie director. There's a movie, I think it's getting a little bit more available called Smile, which is like a beauty pageant movie and it's really good. Um, And then, yeah, he got to this sort of pinnacle and then he was like, well, I can do anything. And then those movies didn't work. I still think he should be given maybe another chance, but maybe just not... Uh, a Midnight Run or a Beverly Hills Cop because I don't think he's going to be able to recreate that no one can recreate those movies I mean people have tried different people have tried to do Beverly Hills Cop and they never they really work obviously Tony Scott hello James
4: (laughs) to be
3: fair like I mean like that's even like Beverly Hills Cop is like I think the reason that the sequels like are the way they are is because like they're all trying to do the first one they're also not trying to do the first one it's like like what *Beverly Hills Cop* two was with Tony Scott was completely different. It was just like, yes, they're still using Eddie Murphy as like the centerpiece, but it's like it's a Tony Scott movie, so it's, it's a Tony bigger Scott movie, and yeah. flashier and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like when he did uh, three, it's like it's like basically like John Landis kind of did a similar thing where he's like basically made a John Landis movie. Granted, it's not it's not good, but like but he, yeah, like he still like there is a fourth did.
1: one, yeah. There's a fourth one coming out, yeah, yeah. yeah which I'm a little trepidatious about because I'm just like you can't recreate yet yeah. the second one is the second one because purely because of tony scott he's just got his own style he's always going to do what he did anyway i'm kind of worried mm-hmm. like the um uh oh shoot the one he did the welcome to america no coming, yeah, coming to america yeah, yeah. sequel where it just turned into hey remember this and i'm like yes. yeah i do remember that i can go watch the first one yeah, and go yes. at sexual chocolate and not have to worry about the what the other this is like there are certain things you just can't recreate. I'm a little worried that they're going to go back to Axel Foley and try to do another Beverly Hills Cop when... Oh, I'm sure. They
3: and like, but they'll fail, and that's fine, because it'll just yeah. go away. I think I, I have mentioned is, like, I do think it's always funny when people get mad about remakes, because I'm just like... It's not like they when they made uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, which I don't enjoy... But like, it's only when they made it, they came into my house and took my copy of Carpenter. No, like it's exact, just like it just, thing, right? yeah. it's like it still exists. So like, so that's, it's like if it, sucks, you just don't have to. You, you don't have to watch it, and you don't have to think about it. Like, it just like just watch the thing you like. That's why I think people freaking out about shit is so weird. I'm just like,
1: it's, just, it's hard to watch it. It's fine. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's really hard being on social media because you get that constantly, and so your mind starts going, "Oh no, I'm waiting for the backlash." Even though I could just put my phone down and just watch the original People Hills Cop*. I don't have to. Again, I don't love the first Hall- Rob Zombie's Halloween, but I love the second. Like I think that- I like the second
3: one, which actually yeah. I didn't watch it for like a long time. It was like no, me I remember because I watched the first one and I hated it in the theater, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'm I'm done." And then um, they like were doing the second, one. I was like, "I don't care." And then it was it was years <laughs> where I finally it was when they did ends so and like I needed to, like I was like I felt bad that I was putting two. At the bottom of my ranking, so it seems to hate the first one so much that I was just like, you know what, screw it, I'll watch it so, so I can have an opinion. And I was like, actually, was okay. I did hmm. like that. So it's like I, so to be fair, like the second one is I think cool. The first one is just holy shit.
1: Oh, the first one, yeah. you just want to walk out of the room and go. I don't want to go near any of these people. The second one breaks your heart like that. That one gets me in the feels every single time, and it's horrific. Like I mean, it's not. It's not like he's being suddenly not being Rob Zombie. It's just you're right i still have my i can still watch the original movies i can still watch midnight run whenever i want um mm-hmm. because i now well i own it digitally so i really should just get the blu-ray because i am worried about them just pulling all this stuff i mean as soon as they pull willow i just wanted to go and give andy a hug because i'm just like oh no <laughs>
3: yeah, i mean to be fair the only thing i will say is the thing that i've talked about with uh rob and stuff where it's like I'm trying to put it in a way that does not uh, implicate me in any way. Um, So there are places where you can still find these things. They didn't necessarily go away. So you can still get the things and watch the things, even though they disappeared from their streaming services, which is terrible and ghastly and I hate it, but they still exist. Out there right. somewhere. Who can
4: say where? Who can who, say, who can say, where? say? Not endorsing. Yes. And
1: we're not endorsing anything or suggesting you do anything. i just sort of saying if something's impossible to see, sometimes you just have to go to a place to find it. If it is like going to a really, really dodgy uh, again, buying a really dodgy disc off um, eBay so you can have a heartbreak kid on on a clearly bootleg, actually. It's like all my John Woo's, I'm like, why can't I just get a nice Blu-ray of all the John Woo's? I have to buy these bootleg right. things. Like I don't. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I complained. I about had this. the yeah. worst
2: Comic-Con purchase VHS of Rad Forever because I couldn't find anywhere else, and then finally the Blu-ray came. I was like, oh my god, Rad's out. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So hold hope there is. We're still waiting for that Blu-ray of Gleaming the Cube. That should be a must, but.
3: I Sugar literally every few months will put out there like Arrow, Scream
2: Factory, where are you doing Give me gleaming Finger the syndrome cube. syndrome. Somebody, yeah. Yes.
1: Vinegar yes. syndrome could absolutely do gleaming the cube. Like that yes. is, like, yeah. I'm just like screaming like it's Christian Slater. How does that not have a
2: release? Like he's a, he's a name. Well, like he's you know. Is he well, is now... he though? Andy. Like... <laughs> hey, people re people remember you know Heather's pump up the volume. Yes. True romance. So... Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, we do. no, I, I love Christian. Like, don't be wrong.
3: And cuffs. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, yes, and they release cuffs, which I don't understand why. They, I know, why right? Cuffs a blu-ray release and not live in the cube but here we are
1: this is the here world we, we live in Yes, yes. I, yep. yeah no actually true romance is really hard to find i mean i own the blue but i'm just like why isn't this movie everywhere it's like goddamn true romance like i don't
4: yeah.
1: it's a quentin tarantino penned movie i don't know quite anyway it's probably a right weird thing um but yeah. i had the blue so no one that you have to break into my house to take it away from me and i will put up a fight I will say that come take my blues. I'm I'm putting up a fight. I have the DVD, the
3: Blu-ray, and the four pin.
1: It does not surprise me. And Bravo. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Midnight Run before we move on?
2: No, I think Andy? it's. Uh, yeah, I I think if you haven't seen it in a while, it's definitely worth rewatching and experiencing the the chemistry between you know. Uh, De Niro and Groden and uh, Ashton being a douchebag and uh, Yafet Koto being a completely incapable FBI leader. <laughs> Which is so, weird. Yeah. J- Joey Pants being hilarious. Joey Pants being Joey Pants amazing. Being
1: Joey Pants. Why is everyone telling yeah. me to fuck myself?
2: That He's seems been- like it's right <laughs> out of, like, Bad Boys. I could picture him doing that like,
1: you told me to fuck up. he me to fuck ah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Joey Pants is one of the best yellers we've ever seen on film. Like, he has multiple, yep, multiple facets. I mean, if you watch Bound, if you watch The Fugitive, and of course US Marshals, you can sort of see um, his other uh, in The Matrix, but he is still one of the best yellers that has ever been. Mm-hmm. You just get Joey pants yelling and it's, and with that, we talked about an amazing movie, but now we're going to talk about cinema and Holy cow, this movie, I haven't seen this movie in years and it blew me away. And that is of course for a few dollars more. Uh, Andy, what is going to be your trailer for a few dollars more?
2: Okay, this is where I have to let my DTV action nerd shine, and I was going back and forth on a couple things, and I actually reached out to our friend uh, Michael Scott, and I was like, dude, I'm I'm between this and this. Which one should I pick? And he threw me a third one, which I was like, oh, wait, yeah, of course. So I'm going to go with uh, Triple Threat. <laughs> Start-
1: <laughs> very Mike Pick, um, by the way.
2: <laughs> very Mike, Mike Pick.
0: Find them, we kill them, no messing about.
2: Mainly because it's one of those where, again, you have um, not soldiers, but you have soldiers for hire that are, you know, two of them that are trying to 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 accomplish something, and there's a third one, Eco, who's thrown in the middle, who's kind of playing both both sides, and uh, you have a really good villain, um, and you have a great villain crew that they get to demolish before the villain gets his comeuppance. So, yeah. I'm gonna go with Triple Threat because we haven't talked. About, I haven't talked about it in a while, and I think people need to go back and watch it or rewatch it if they haven't in a while.
1: I still need to see this. Uh, it is on my list to watch because, I mean, it, this movie has, I mean, just the cast of Michael J. White, Scott Atkins, Eko uh, Yuras, and Tony Ja. I mean, how do you not want to watch it? And Tiger Chen, it? yeah. And Tiger Chen, like it's got. It's kind of insane. And it's Jesse V. Johnson. It is kind of the ultimate feeling D- uh, modern DTV. Um, so, no, I do I do need to watch this. This this has to go up high on my list because um, I know I'm missing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say, this. just real quick yeah. before I move on,
3: because, uh, no, I have not. And actually, I was going to say, I was like, I actually discovered with my friend Sarah the other night after we, like, left Barbie, where I was just like, I learned a long time ago that, like, I became... I was much more comfortable on horror Twitter than I was on action Twitter because I understood everything on horror Twitter. And like on action Twitter, everyone's like, oh, hey, there's this thing. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And then there's like, there's like, I remember the example I've used a million times where like Mike um, laid out his problems with uh, the Mortal Kombat movie. And it was all like the editing of the action scenes. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but I have—I do have issues with that movie myself. So, like, okay, so we're on the same side. We're just coming at it from different angles. So it's like, mm-hmm. I love you guys. You guys are great. I don't understand. Like, I don't know who the hell Tiger Chan is. I'm sure he's very... Or she. I don't know. This person, I'm sure, is very nice. <laughs> but I did very talented, very skilled. I just don't know who the hell they are.
1: No, I am the same way. I only know who Tiger Chen is because I have seen the man from Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I... I only know who he is because of Action Twitter and I'm very much with Patrick. I am, I do generally feel more comfortable in horror Twitter just because I know what they're talking about. When they're talking about the editing, when they're talking about all these things, I'm like, yes, I know exactly what they're talking about, how they're framing it, I know the language. When it comes to Action Twitter and Mike's going on about the editing, I'm like, okay, I gotta catch up. Okay, I think I know what this is. Yes, and I keep putting it in a horror uh, DTV of context which I know I shouldn't but that's the only way I can kind of go well okay if they're doing this in a very low budget five people horror movie you're doing the same with the action and then I can kind of get around it but no I'm I'm with Patrick I I just because I understand horror a little bit more than sometimes when it comes to DTV I am very much a novice student and I'm still learning the ways around it I know if I know the main top 10 people and then but once you go deeper than that I'm just like like you guys are a bit cool about the channel which sounds amazing, and you talking about Kaufman. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. Okay, okay, so I'm gonna watch the channel now. Okay, good to know. Okay, yeah, that was like the yeah.
3: one yeah. with Rob, where like I was like, he had mentioned he's like, he asked me like what my favorite movie of the year was, and I was like, you know the answer to this, and he was just like, he's, like, I'm drunk, and I was like, okay, fine, Scream Six. Yeah, and he was just like, are you gonna watch Kandahar? And I was just like, I don't wanna make it clear to you people, like I was just like, <laughs> I don't have any. What do you problem mean, you people? With you. <laughs> well, I think I have no problem with Gerard <laughs> Butler, but like I don't, I've to this, I to this day, I've never seen a single is fallen movie like there's many gerard in greenland like i don't often see things starring gerard butler so i probably won't see this i'm just being honest and he's like what do you mean you people and i was like action twitter action twitter is what i mean by you
4: people
1: no i mean the only reason why i watched jerry butler movies well the only reason i got into them was because my partner is a big jerry guy like he is i can show i can kind of use excuse to watch a dtv action movie because i'm like oh my partner's going to enjoy this dan is going to love this let's watch i haven't i know i'm gonna show him. Yeah, i still gonna watch show on plane but these are the things i'm like hey let's sit down i'll show you this movie and i go he'll go why i've got jerry butler in it and he's like yep let's do this so it's or the god Richie, Yeah. god <laughs> bless dan like i wouldn't watch as nearly as action movies or got into as much action if it wasn't for dan because if i'm going to show him horror he's not going to be that into it or something weird in italian he's just like i, I don't want to know but if i go but it has um frank Grillo in it, it is like yes let's do this right now so i can show him cop shop and he's like perfect so it's yeah that he is the big reason why i got i started to get into this stuff because it was especially during the pandemic trying to grant a movie was hard so i'm like jerry butler was that kind of coming together
2: it's so funny being on the action side of things and not a big horror guy all the time and now every time i watch horror i just kind of my uh my wife would be why are you watching that i was like Patrick and Robin, Lindsay and Matt, <laughs> and it's like all, my, I'm like all of my cool Twitter friends love horror and there's really good stuff in there. I just, you know, for a while, it just, you know, when you get in what you like, that's what you go to. But then when you hear from other people on why they, they like it and you can start, like you said, you might not be able to totally understand the reason editing for DTV action works some ways, but for DTV horror, it does when you can start to put things together, it like opens up a whole new world of, oh, I can understand it while I can't totally relate to it. I can still understand parts of it. And there's a lot of awesome stuff to be had. And if you just watch action all the time, life gets pretty boring. If you just watch horror all the time, it again, does. life gets pretty, yeah. you gotta, gotta kind of constantly mix, mix, you know, mix it up.
4: Yeah, yeah no, that's why like, yeah, like yeah. Barbie
3: and Oppenheimer was like super, like I was just like, it was funny. Cause like, I was like, yeah, no, like I was just like, I love horror movies probably more than anybody that I know. But it's not all I fucking want to watch. Like, it's just like, it's like, I mean, great that Oppenheimer is, it's on the- Kind of a horror movie? It's a horror movie. It's like, it's on, it's right, it's 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 right there at certain points. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, definitely, I was, there's
3: elements of it.
1: I was a little bit worried that we're going to go into what happened in Japan. I'm like, I don't think I'm ready for this sitting in a screening yeah. on a big screen. See what happened. No, I don't. Okay, you're talking about it. Okay, this I can handle. But it, yeah, I think you do need to. And I think, um, a lot of the roots of DTV, especially action movies, come from westerns and specifically like the western we're going to be talking about. You can see that framework, um, especially yep. in the first one, uh, the, this one, and maybe so much good, the bad and the ugly, because that goes full opera. Um, but Op-
2: yeah, operatic.
1: Operatic, but these, not to the say that DTV can't, I'm just sort of saying with their budgets and what they're able to do, they can hint at it, but I think you can tell they're much True. more comfortable with these with the framework of these two movies. And it's fascinating. I mean, if it wasn't for, say, Daniel and Preston, I would not watch as many Westerns as I do. Because, again, you just sometimes have to go out of your comfort zone and then you just find movies that um, you're like, oh, I never thought I would like this. But now I'm kind of getting into them. And the more I watch it, I'm kind of getting a structure for them. And then, say, the more I listen to uh, Action for Everyone and Action Addicts, I'm learning the... Language around them, so it kind of makes me a little bit more comfortable talking about them than I say three years ago. Would have gone. He kicks. I like the kicking. That's that's <laughs>
2: my contribution. I was at Scream Six opening day, and I was texting Patrick about it afterwards. I was like, "Who who am I? What have I become?"
1: This is not- <laughs> so to be fair, uh, Scream Six is kind of almost an action horror movie. Like it's not quite there, but it is very very still close.
2: in my top five this year. It's great. So yeah, I me too. Yeah, me too. Scream Six rules. Um, yep,
1: Patrick. What is going to be your trailer for for a few dollars more?
3: See, I actually thought I was going to steal this from Andy, but when Andy didn't take it, I was like, I'm taking it. Um, the kind of, to me, the perfect kind of connective tissue movie was um, the remake of 310 to Yuma that James Mangold did.
0: It's probably cheaper just to let me rob the damn thing. See which way he rode, Evans. Like we were yeah. headed to Bisbee. Hands up. 22 robberies, over $400,000 in losses. Y'all notice he didn't mention any of the lives
2: I've taken? We will have Ben Wade convicted and hanged, and we will pay to make it happen. I'll come.
0: So, boys, where are we headed? Taking in a 310 to Yuma day after tomorrow. Shouldn't have told him that. Relax, friend. Now, if we get separated, I know what to meet up. Daniel. There's someone I have the decency to bring him to justice. Wanna come with me while well, you can. What are you doing out here, Dan? You got a family to protect. Well, talk to me like you know me way, we ain't friends.
3: Where it's like it's very like similar in terms of like in terms of like what it's doing, it's very similar to like Midnight Run, but in terms of its vibe, it's much closer to like for a few dollars more. So I was like, to me, that was like the perfect movie to play in between.
2: Oh, um, yeah. my Patrick, we are simpatico because I had that. I actually had it written down before I verified. I was like, all right, Mike, I want to go DTV. I don't want to just go Western, even though I love the 310 to Yuma. It's my favorite mangled, but still. All right. Sorry, Lindsay, go ahead.
1: No, that, that is perfect. <laughs> I did not think of either of those. And I absolutely, I absolutely love it it's it's such a good movie i think i remember going to see this i wasn't into westerns but then you know what that was really good which happens with a lot of james Mangold movies going huh that was really good It like the wolverine when i especially movies where i wasn't expecting them to be that good i think dollar destiny Mm -hmm. kind of i overshot it a little bit (laughs) you're thinking okay he's gonna do something really good here oh he did something okay but it is yeah it is just really solid like it's yeah it's just that's all i can sort of It's just super solid. The performances are really good because it is Bale and Crow.
2: Yep. And Ben Foster, Foster. one of my favorite roles he's ever done. I love his, like, Mad Dog second in command role where he's just like, oh, like, nothing's going to stop him from, you know, protecting crow's character and it's like oh he's so good in it
1: he is very very good it's it always so oh god it's just like every time i see ben foster i'm like okay so we're gonna go intensity out yes we are it is (laughs) um (laughs) yep but no it is just a really solid good movie like Mm -hmm. yeah that's all i can say about it but i think that is i kind of like been like run i wish all movies were just that solid like just that good
3: no, that was like the whole thing is I remember like when i um, Andy brought up their day during like the whole um, mangold thing where yeah. um, everybody was discussing who their favorite mangold was. And I was like, I had your back, even though my like favorites are like uh, Copland and. um I still to
1: Copland. Yeah. But I was right just like,
4: yeah.
3: Yeah. But I was like, when you said three to Niuma and, and then like, uh, I think it was Daniel was just like, yeah, I mean, basically the same movie as original. I'm like, I don't care. It's still really good, and I really enjoy it. So, like, and like Christian Bale and Russell Crowe are freaking great, and Ben Foster freaking great. So it's like I, yeah, no, I, I really like that movie a lot. Like, it's like I think it's funny. Is like, because mm-hmm. uh, like the thing that Lindsay said is accurate. Because I was like, even though my, I, I, you know, I was excited for uh, Dial of Destiny, and I didn't dislike it, but it's like it's kind of what I knew it was going to be. Where it's just like it's like you just at a certain point, it's like having somebody else do it. Is just like you're going to get kind of a weird middle ground movie where it's like it's not yeah. easy. because they're doing what Spielberg was like kind of doing, but also kind of doing their own thing. And when their vibes yep. are different, it comes off weird. So it's like yeah. some, some like there are some directors that like do. Like I think uh, not to like help uh, Liam's cult or anything, but um, like the like Transformers, I think is a really good example of like you had Michael Bay's vibes and you had Steven Spielberg's vibes, and they worked really well together. For um, the whereas, first movie,
1: like, I can't yes. quite get on board with. Um, oh no!
3: Right there I with you. Get... I'm not. No, no, no. Yeah. We're not. No, that 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 cult is a terrifying group of people that I want nothing to do with my family. <laughs> yes. Um and
1: I love, uh, I love and I love the bulk of them, but I'm just like I cannot get on this Transformers thing. Yes, some movies. The Transformers. I'm like, mm, no, can't, I can't. I can't go there. You go and do but your yeah, thing. Like, I'm going to yeah. stay here. Mm.
3: Like Mangold, it was like his vibes were different than Spielberg's vibes. They yeah. They kind of didn't mm-hmm. quite work, and also it's it's weird because like um my only thing with like main thing with Dial destiny is like there's points where it drags and i was like that's the one thing that these movies should never do it's just yes. always. no i
2: it. agree with you wholeheartedly i mean
3: and i then like th- like this example where it doesn't drag right? i think nope. 30 yuma never really drags. so i was like i definitely think nope. like there was like, there was an earlier part of his career that he had made it then i think he might have made a stronger effort but like mm-hmm. when he was younger but like i think 30 yuma is a really Really solid, like way of doing something where it's like in constant motion. Um I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not disparaging. No, listen, it's 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 perfectly no. fine. I will buy it when it comes out, but like, it's too. just yeah. not my favorite.
1: No, I think the when it hit, when that movie hits, it really hits. But when i was sort of thinking of mm-hmm. other. Um, Mangold movies, it's just solid across the board, but where this is patchy, and yeah, you're right. Sometimes it does drag, but then it will just go, Oh shit, there's Antonio Banderas, I'm in again, or it will,
2: yeah.
1: um, drag a little bit too oh,
2: soon. Yeah,
1: it, yeah, it's gone too soon, or something else kind of will just, they're just kind of hanging out in Italy for ages. I'm like, Okay, I realize you got tax breaks for Italy because everyone is getting tax <laughs> breaks for Italy, but it is, we don't need to spend this much time in Italy kind of thing. But, um, though I do think this is just dollar Disney was such a big movie that I'm, and plus as we've already said steven spielberg is a freak like you just can't come yeah. in and do what he's doing and then expect everyone to go oh you did it no it's it's never going to work like that but i think no i'm still going to see the next thing james mangold makes so i think again yeah. really solid mm-hmm. i'm more of a fast and uh, not fast and curious um Ford versus ferrari they're always f's person, <laughs> um which is weird oh, i no. don't yep. get cars but i think that movie kind of hits that almost epic kind of thing he's trying to do with dial of destiny but it works constantly the all way all the way through because he's got that okay this is men trying to talk to each other and it's also this great metaphor for trying to make a good movie in the studio system like it's um like when i first saw that movie it's not
2: about the car itself the car is just ancillary the car is there it's all about everything else around it and i like what you said patrick about uh when a new director comes in and the old one's still a part of it so to speak and they they gel i, I know i might get a lot of flack for this from some people but 2015 jj abrams probably would have directed a hell of a final indiana jones movie just saying yeah it, no, would, it's, have, it's it would have hit all those notes and it would have been quick and two hours and we'd have been bing bam boom and out of there and so yeah
3: no you're correct i agree come with you. at me even though Twitter. like I, I'm not like the hugest Abrams guy, but I definitely think he knows how to approximate Spielberg.
2: So yeah, oh, he I does. think he would have done Very that much so, yeah.
1: And also I, mean, I think if he made- 8,
2: look at that and you know what Yeah, you're about.
1: yeah and I also think if he made it years ago, I don't think Disney would have cared as much. I think making dialogue Disney mm-hmm. now, Disney cared a shit ton more. And I think- Too when much. Di- too much. And I think when Disney starts caring too much, I think that's when things start falling apart. Too many what, hands in the, too many, in the kitchen. Too many hands in the kitchen. And I think you can feel it- very much on so dial of destiny and more so than even a, a movie that I still like the first half of uh Crystal Skull.
3: I still like Crystal Skull. I will always yeah, argue but that, for
1: Crystal Skull. Too. You can you can tell it's one cohesive of, kind of one cohesive piece, even yeah. though I think it falls at yep. the end. It's still kind of that thing where there's Dollar Destiny, I okay oh I can see Disney Sex hands on this. Like yeah. there's something about it. We need this, we need that, you mean it's so, a the fact that James Mangold made what he made, I think, is actually really impressive. Um, so yeah, because yeah. that can't be easy having that much pressure on you trying to make, especially following Spielberg. But go see, yeah. uh Yuma because that is such a, and he always makes westerns, which I love. He's just constantly making westerns.
3: Yeah, I actually I remember like, when I watched Cowboy for the first time, I figured out like in like the like the last little bit of it, um, when Ray Liotta kind of comes back that I was like, oh shit, this is Rio Bravo. Like, I was yeah. like, I didn't track <laughs> that movie. And then I was just like, oh, that's what this is.
1: I know, it's like I'm watching um, Logan. Western. Well, I'm watching Logan, and I'm like, they're referring Shane quite, oh, this is a Western. Okay, I, I yeah. know what this mm-hmm. is now. There's a reason why they're watching Shane, and they keep referencing Shane. Okay, yeah, this this is in fact like everything else. A Western. Um yes. Okay, so for my trailer, oh shit, now I'm gonna choose between my Western and my Jerry Butler movie.
2: Go with your heart.
1: <laughs> Go with my heart. Um. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go for my Jerry Butler. I'm going to dinner thieves 2000. Jerry
2: Butts. Um, Let's not say that ever again. All right.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's the perfect name to shorten to the most inappropriate thing ever. Yes.
0: Keep your eyes open. Every cop in the country is going to be looking for us. Nick. Original gangster cop in the flesh. What's your tally? Four dead, six on the way to the hospital. I tell you he's a bad guy. we will going to make you a deal. Give me the names of all the guys who got away. I'll get your medic.
2: I hey, know no snitch. Yo. He's done, son.
0: We got a problem. It's a major crime. Get to know your enemy, boys. Every big time crew has been busted. These are the guys who took him down. Get yourself, I take you. This your memory. Gang these are not. Whoever it is, they're addicted to heists. Anybody moves, you shoot them. You understand? Sooner or later, they'll need their fix. You could? Yeah, man. We good.
2: Save the plans, we're trading up. The Federal Reserve, it's like Fort Knox. At any one time, there's anywhere between 500 and 800 billion dollars in there. Every millimeter of it covered by cameras, sensors, and motion detectors. Stand across the street and stare at the building for two minutes, you have security on your ass. The bank that's never been robbed. That's why we're going to rob Every time in the street.
1: This movie should not be as good as it is. This is a movie you can smell. Um, everyone smells disgusting in this movie because everyone's hairy and been drinking whiskey for 24 hours. It is such a good bank heist slash we're trying to stop the bad guys, but I think we're kind of up. Are we the bad guys? I think we're the bad guys kind of movie. That it is, I mean, is it low rent? I hate it. Yes.
3: I was going to say yeah it's like DTV heat yes. it's DTV
1: so, heat mm-hmm. but I think that works in its favor like it's not mm-hmm. doesn't reach the heights of heat because nothing ever, is ever going to reach the heights of heat so it knows kind of where it needs to stay but yet this is kind of the ultimate men being disgusting men kind of movie that is grimy that is slimy that is I mean Jerry Butler is, is kind of awful in this movie like he's just let his whole yeah. life fall apart and, totally. um, and he doesn't care he doesn't Wait, care. That's doesn't the sad thing about his character. Yeah, doesn't a bit. he doesn't care about He doesn't care. That is what he's. He, the only way he can deal with his wife trying to leave him is to be threatening because that's the only way he thinks he can communicate with another human being. And yeah, as I said, this movie should not be as good as it is, but it is really good. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's just one of those movies you stand and go, yeah, that was a good time. Like a really good time.
2: I think it's helpful when your supposed heroes are also jerks and assholes because then you're you're kind of rooting for both and it's one of those rare times when you're like Pablo yeah no he's good like no he's wonderful like I like that guys when he shows up on screen you know Schreiber he looks he just there's a certain thing about him where I'm like oh I like that dude I like when he's in movies I've you know and it's one of those it's nice that he's not just your typical bad guy for bad guy's sake. It's not just—I yes. mean, sure, they're they're robbing banks and stuff like that, but it's there's kind of a brotherhood and a kinship almost more so than the cops themselves because they're like you said, very greasy and very just. Ugh. Those are not the cops you ever want. Those are the, those are the cop cars you want to get smashed up.
1: They no, no, those are... are all
2: cop cars, Andy. Yes. All cop
3: cars. <laughs> oh, you're right, all right. You're right,
2: Patrick. There,
1: <laughs> they are kind of the ultimate corrupt cops, even though they think they are doing the right thing. It is. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, which, and also um, O'Shea does kind of remind me a little bit of uh, Gian v- v- Valt- Valtini, I'm butchering his name, the very pretty bad guy who is was also the bad guy in uh, Fistful of Dollars, but he really gets to kind of have a broader character and kind of motivations, even though everything he's doing is disgusting, like there is nothing about right. him, his actions that you redeeming can say, oh no, you know? redeeming at all, but He's got this compelling kind of thing. And no, I, I, yeah, if you have not seen it and you think it's uh, um, uh, low rent uh, heat, it is, but it's still worth watching. I mean, just because a movie you can tell its influences doesn't make it not good. So, yeah, with that, we are going to get into. Uh, well, actually, straight up masterpiece. As soon as they start playing those pipes organs when he's about to shoot, having to deal with that guy, uh, Gian, I'm just like, holy shit, this is like Sergio Leone flying. Um, and that is, of course, for a few dollars more.
0: Well, there's such a big reward offered under you gentlemen that I thought I might just tag along on your next robbery. Might just turn you into the law. Naturally. I'll be in the tavern. The air around here stinks anyway. Just like the food. But the month will go fast. I'm letting you leave, Hero. That's so you can tell everybody you've seen what takes place here. <laughs> <laughs> didn't hear what the bet was your life
1: what's we'll up with andy because you and impression kind of were coming up and you'd said had you grown up with this movie or something you discovered later because it is Or because of Clint, it was just one of the first Westerns you happened to come across?
2: Right. No, it was was early on because there was a a big phase where I was into like Young Guns and other stuff like that. And I just wanted to get as many action movies under, you know, nine and 10-year-old Andy's belt that I could uh, and uh, Westerns and stuff. And my dad introduced me to The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, and then this one. I watched them out of all out of order like i watched the good the bad the ugly first and then i think fistful of dollars and then this one um but it's one of those where it's like it, oh it's cool it's clint eastwood when you're younger you don't get the whole spaghetti western vibe it just looks cool and it looks different because it has a different feel than like you know joe kid um, different landscape which is a totally different landscape everything crazy voices crazy looking characters like you know um so and then as you grow up with it and you look at the filmmaking that was done and how influential it is on everything we're watching you know like that came afterwards and you're like oh that's why these are so important and so beloved not just because they're clint eastwood and they're cool movies they're there's things that were never done before that that kind of set the tone for what came afterwards so uh yeah so it's kind of been i can't remember a time when i didn't know this movie but now after re-watching all of them in the last couple months, I would put this as one of, as my favorite of this, of the Man With No Name trilogy. And one of my favorite Leone's up there too. It's like so damn good. From the moment you hear the little wind mm. machine and then the guy just walking up and then the which guns sound so cool. I don't, you know, Indiana Jones sound effects are awesome but these guns sound so out of this world. It's great. I love it. Oh, and I there's, love-
1: there's on the face, ricochets yeah.
2: off of there's ricochets off of hats and 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 felt and cotton that shouldn't make ricochet noises i love it i want it all <laughs> no
1: it really is uh patrick what is your history with this movie
3: see i was telling you guys before it because i like, got mom i mean i might have seen it when i was little and i don't remember because my dad was like a big leona guy um but um i at least this trilogy i don't remember that he had these on tape um but i saw uh good bad the ugly um, when I was like a teenager um, and I liked it, but I was like, whatever about it. And then like years later, um, I saw um, Fistful of Dollars and I was like, yeah, this is cool, whatever. And then like, um, it wasn't until like the pandemic that um, when I basically just was like sitting around, like basically checking things off my watch list or like watching things I hadn't watched in like years. And so like I watched um, Good and Bad Deadly the Ugly again. I was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Like I was like, this is, I, I love this. And then so I watched This um, Dollars again. And I was like, yeah, this is definitely Yojimbo, but it's still cool. And then I was like, <laughs> well, I might as well watch For a Few Dollars More. And so like I watched it and I was like, this is actually fucking great. Like why does no one ever talk about this one? Like, Everybody always talks about the first, like the, the first two I mentioned. And then th- this one never comes up. And I was like, I don't necessarily know that it's, I don't know, to call it my favorite, because I feel like Good, Bad, The Ugly is like, ultimately like the, I feel like is the best one to me, but I feel like the one that I enjoy the most, like watching it, like I had the best time watching it is this one because it's the mm-hmm. most like fun by far. Like it's, I think it's the most fun movie that I could think of that Leone ever made. Cause like, um, my favorite of Leone is, um, What's a Time in America, not a fun film. Yeah. Not, a, not a good, not a good time <laughs> yeah. watching that. And like, even like What's a Time in the West, love that movie. Not a fun, not a fun time watching it. So like fun moments. Uh, what fun moments. <laughs> well, fine, I'm just saying. And like this yeah. one, I was just like with watching this, it was like, holy shit. Like I was like, I didn't even know he had this even in him. Like, he could do things like this. And it's great that he can. Like although it was confusing as hell when I first watched it. I was like, that I was like, they had Van Cleef and Clint. So I assumed they were playing the same characters as they play in uh Good Bad and ugly And the whole movie I was so confused. I was like, why is this not feel right? Like I was this just seems wrong. <laughs> it wasn't until like it took me like at least like two thirds of the way through to figure out that he was a different character. I was like, oh, that makes more sense. I don't know why they did this, but that makes more sense. All right, that's fine. It's but yeah, wrong, no, I really like Yes. I really like right. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> really the movie though. I do I do think it's awesome. And I do think it's like it's it's weird that it doesn't have a better reputation. Like it's it never comes up. Like nobody ever talks about it. But it's actually like really, that's why like when you like mentioned doing this, I was like, oh, hell, hell yes. I was like, no one ever talks about this. I will happily talk about it.
1: You no, know, you're absolutely right. Because everyone talks about the first one because it was the introduction of Clint Eastwood, the man with no name, though I love how in all three movies, he's playing a different character yet wearing the same poncho. Um, <laughs> it is, it, they did go to a different production company for this one because he fell out with the producers for um, for a festival of dollars. So he did have to change the name of the man with no name and give him a name, but he's still the same. I mean, it's the poncho. Like, come on. It's but yeah, he's kind of doing things that you didn't think a movie could do. And I I, I don't think Leone knew he couldn't do them, like apparently having a rape scene or shooting a horse, though I don't love the fact that they trip the horse because don't trip horses. It's it's nope. bad. Um and also just a sort of a few other things. And it, this is a movie that made um Lee Van Cleef like it's i mean yeah he sort of went on to do the good the bad and the ugly because my dad tried to show me good the bad and the ugly when i was a kid and i just did not click with it it was too long i didn't understand what was happening everyone's just kind of staring at each other now that's my favorite thing about leone movie is the elite leone zoom and the fact that you they just he just makes you sit in these moments which is why once upon a time into america is such a masterpiece but not a fun movie because you are sitting in all these awful moments of awfulness and again these characters are not again Robert De Niro playing an absolute arsehole but being the hero of the of, of the movie um it is it, yeah but when you're watching this it's just so much fun I mean Believer and Cleve looks like he's having a ball like I think I read somewhere that he did not realize he was actually going to be the star of the movie that <laughs> like he came and thinking he was <laughs> going to do a few scenes because he'd been doing tv but he hadn't been getting a lot of work in movies and Again, Leone tried to get uh, Henry Fonda and Charles Bronson, and they both said no until once upon a time in the West. And so he got Lee Van Cleef in. And this is the reason why he's a Western legend because he just kept, he just stayed in Italy making like 15,000 spaghetti westerns. But yeah, this movie, that's one thing I'm going to say about it. It's just really fun. I mean, I love the interactions between Lee Van Cleef and Clint Eastwood. I love the whole the fact that it's got a bank it's not only about catching a a guy for a bounty it's also about a insane bank heist I love the fact that it starts to get operatic but not too much not quite like the the bad and the ugly it's oh that's just it's so good the score in this is uh, I mean Muratoni is just doing god's work in this movie
2: from the opening when like I said the wind and you hear just the guy whistling and then you see a horse like miraculously show up out of the horizon and then you just hear the click click click, click and then when you see them fall off and then it just carries on with the 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 mouth twangs whatever they yeah. want to call it. i don't even know what the thing's called um it's so it just you're like okay i'm in for this and then you, you're you on the train and you're right you don't see clint for a while it's no. lee van cleef and that's a, another thing that i got forgotten about what is like man how awesome and i bet clint was kind of like kind of like oh, I don't have to just shoulder the whole movie because he seems like a guy that knows if you got Lee Van Cleef with you, let him run wild. I can just sit back and not say anything and have just as great time and still collect that awesome paycheck that he was probably getting for that for that time. Um, and he still gets to be like the focal point. Everybody looks at him and goes, that's Clint. But then he gets to kind of play with that character and not be the exact same like he was just in, you know, Fistful. So Yeah, I mean,
1: Clint obviously has a huge ego i mean that's kind of all part of his persona and everything like that but he is also one of those guys where i think even liam has said about um a few other people oh tom cruise his ego is big enough to know that he can if people are good in your movie then it makes you look better and he clint's yep. always understood that as well as constantly making out with like- 23 year olds no matter how he's literally that guy <laughs> from days to confused um
3: that's like but i think it's, it's like the pro wrestling thing where it's like it's yes. like um if you beat a guy who doesn't look like anything then you don't look better but if you beat a guy who is like suddenly like being built as like the guy and then you beat him then you look that much better so as you know like that that's where the ego is it's intelligent it's like what's yes. why like yeah. it's like if you don't if you don't have somebody if you haven't made a big deal out of somebody it doesn't make a difference if you kick the shit out of them like it's like they have to okay. be a threat for them to for it to matter that you beat them
1: Actually, yeah, No, it's going Mm -hmm. back to, again, sorry to bring up The Rock again, but it's not, it's about him going, okay, if I beat up Shazam, it doesn't mean anything. But if I beat up Superman or have a fight with Superman, then that's going to mean more than, yeah, it's it's that same mentality. But yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, you have to be, it's like, as much as I love the first John Wick, the fact that he's beating up, what's his name? Um, Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. just doesn't oh, work. Yes, Nyquist. <laughs> I love Nyquist. I think he's a great actor, but the fact that he's the big bat and he's the one that yeah. Wick has to take out is like this dual thing. I'm like, no, John Wick would have beaten him in two seconds. This, um, I'm sorry, this is not, this isn't working for me. I, yeah, 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 not taking John out Wick. John Wick. I'm not going to lie.
3: No, yeah, yeah that's like, that's, that is the one part of John Wick that doesn't entirely is like you really like at the same time it's like it's the
1: first movie they had it was a yeah thing. exactly they weren't, so yeah. it's
3: like yeah no they, they figured it out so it's like i don't really mind it but like but it also like there's a lot of movies where they have um kind of like the weak um villain and like they have like the strong like henchman and they basically have mm-hmm. like the whole like final fight, fight be the henchman i'm like that's never to me as satisfying as is like like actually going after the bad guy so it's like in the end I don't mind that it's like in the end it's just John Wick and Nyquist because it's like or I guess Keanu and Nyquist um because (laughs) like (laughs) like at that point it's better than like if it was like because Kevin Nash's movie let's say Kevin Nash was the like the big like guy yeah it wouldn't have meant as much like it would have been like this is obviously better but it's not satisfying
1: no, it's like a Lethal yeah. weapon 2 it- When you have to take out the eye yes. uh, de- development de- immunity, it means more when Danny Glover is shooting him in the head more than his his henchmen. But just the image yep. of those two fighting, I still can't because only because I've seen the other three movies where I know that the big bad is the killing is so satisfying, especially in four when he's a little weasel with his henchmen. But the fact that what's his name just does not die, it's like why won't you die? Um, is kind of amazing. But it's just that. I don't know. It's the first movie. I know what the other three bring, so that's the only reason why I say this. If there was only one John Wick movie, I would have said fifth movie.
2: I I almost picked four as my as my trailer for this one too, because it, but I'm like, no, that's two on the nose because there's when you're watching this again and like you said, when they're squaring off and the whole opera, I'm like that that's that's the end music cue from John Wick. Like they yeah. stole that right out of this. Like no, no. it wears its love for these movies on its sleeve, and I Ted, love it
1: in special four is that. making so how is making a leone movie in four that is mm-hmm. what he's doing he's just applying it to more of an action beats than a i would say a um a, a more western thing which uh obviously this what Leone's doing but i have been watching a lot mm-hmm. of westerns lately and the whole bounty hunter who protects the guy to later try and kill them is such a trope that i when i was watching <laughs> four, i'd forgotten about it and then i'm going back to these spaghetti westerns going that's just what spaghetti westerns do all the time. There's always the badass. He goes, Nope. He goes, Why did you save him? Because I'm going to kill him. Like that is, and I'm ramping <laughs> up the money. I'm like, Why didn't I put that with such a spaghetti western moment? I mean,
3: that's the thing. It's like, has... To be fair, though, I mean, like I will say, though, just, just, just real quick, like westerns, I feel like they still exist. They just kind of got like absorbed into like action movies at a yes. certain point. Because sure. like yeah. I remember, um, like, when I, I mentioned the Copland example, but also like I remember when I watched Die Hard. Um, I mean, I saw Die Hard a million times as a kid, but like um the first time I watched Die Hard as an adult, after I had watched like High Noon, I was like, Oh, it's oh. the same fucking movie. So I was just like, that thing is I was like, I feel like Westerns didn't go away so much as they just kind of got absorbed into action movies. So like having like John Wick Four like doing Leone stuff isn't entirely that surprising, oh, just by no. the fact that I feel nope. like, yeah, it just it all has kind of got turned into one big like soup
1: yeah no it's like yeah. uh roger corman once said that i can't make a movie i can't make a western because no one likes horses so i'm just going to swap swap them out with motorbikes it's yeah. it it's <laughs> just the western just evolved and now we get things like um triple threat and uh dinner thieves and john wick and they all follow these very similar plots to to what a western would do I mean, it's the guy with no name coming in or it's the guy who has to deal with all these kind of forces coming around him, like uh, John McClane in in Die Hard. I mean, that is um, high noon in the building. Like, he's got to deal with all this shit, except... Yeah. And no one's helping him and he's barefoot. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it didn't go away. And watching this movie, which kind of defined so many Western tropes in the mid-60s, especially what, um, like, the deconstructionist, deconstructionist Western would go on to do is kind of fascinating the fact that it is so brutal the fact that the bad guy is so charismatic and yet so awful it reminded me so much of this is the the one that I feel like Clint Eastwood took the most of when he made Unforgiven like Mm -hmm. even more so than say the good the bad and the ugly and he's always sort of said Leone and uh, Uh,
3: Don Siegel yeah Don Siegel
1: are his two kind of points of how he directs and you can Mm -hmm. really see um, this movie and Unforgiven especially with the very charismatic bad guy with Gene Hackman's coming out being the mon- most charismatic monster you can see that is Le Elinoni I think it is oh he's so pretty yet he's so awful like but you can't stop watching him and he's just the way Leone's is just kind of building toward these things but he's also doing the fact that we keep going back to he's doing things because they look cool he's not doing things because he wants them to be like, um, I mean, he will do this more in his later movies, especially Once Upon a Time in America, where everything's a part of the theme. But this one, hmm. Lindy's just looks good in a poncho. That's that's why he's continuously wearing it.
2: He looks good in that. I mean, and once you go back and watch and you know the whole, you know, uh, Lee, uh, Lee Van, Van Cleese whole arc, when you go back, I was like, did he just crash Zoom on... The eyes of a real actor and the eyes of a poster. Because when he sees the wanted poster, it's like, and I was like, we're crash zooming on posters now? Like, this is not. (laughs) And it's so wonderful. And I'm like, oh, duh. I should have known that he's got history with him because of that alone, because nobody else gets it. Eastwood looks at a wanted poster. He just takes it and then walks off. And then, uh, this out of all three, this has my favorite intro to Eastwood's character when he just says another guy came by looking for him what was his name oh Manko! lightning crash walking in you just see the cool gun with the you know a little snake on it and then the poncho and just Eastwood walking his horse in because the horse is tired <laughs> Yes.
1: no I love I haven't seen the good the bad and the ugly in quite a while which is going to be interesting going back to because I've always sort of said that's my least favorite out of the three even though I think it's the better made um because mm. i always would just want to watch for a few dollars more and um first and first of all because they're just funner um but yeah it just is i mean leone knows how to introduce a character i mean when lee van cleef's holding the bible for ages and then he puts down he's got the pipe and the guy's like i just made this man mad and he's gonna kill me now i'm like yes this is goddamn lee van cleef
2: <laughs> yeah and i love the guy goes the train doesn't doesn't stop here and he goes the train will stop here and he's just <laughs> it's
1: like I'm, I'm stopping here yes
2: yep. <laughs> i don't yeah, know his, his eyes are perfect western eye like leaving his eyes. That... is just oh yeah perfect the camera just when it zooms in i'm like just just stay right here i'll just watch this for two hours we're fine <laughs>
1: yeah. i can just watch lee van cleek being a badass for two hours i am absolutely fine mm-hmm. with that and he is such a badass like he is just i I love his arc i love the fact that it is ultimately more about revenge than it is um just the bounty which it is for uh clint eastwood i love their relationship it does remind me a lot of charles gordon and uh robert robert de niro and Van Cleve are very similar for me in this movie they both have these kind Mm -hmm. of underlining um things and that they want to get this guy because they just they destroyed their lives and they're using this other guy to do it like well done, Preston. Um, I didn't realize that things that the themes ran that deep.
3: I mean, no, that's what my thing is. Like, I it's funny because like, there's so, I guess they're like so inextricably linked at this point. Because I, I remember that was the whole reason. Um, Because like uh, Rob and I covered uh, Escape in LA here, but like in Escape in New York, I guess the whole reason that like Kurt Russell talks essentially like kind of like Clint Eastwood in that is because like being on set with Lee Van Cleef it just kind of put him in that mindset. Of like doing a clip, a clip thing. And I was, that's my thing is like, I, it's funny because like I don't, okay, this is gonna sound, I know this is gonna sound probably bad. Um, it's not that I don't like Fistful of Dollars, I, cause I, I, I do. But like, it's such a, and, and I, and I don't, I, I should also note, um, I definitely believe him when like I, I've heard him say that like they didn't intend to make it unauthorized, like remake, they intended to get his permission. But they just couldn't. And I was like, you know what? The time before the internet, that makes sense. Yes. Like, we're just like, mm-hmm. he's in Japan, they're in Italy. Like, I imagine that could be difficult. So, and like, I definitely was, whatever.
1: Yeah. And Kurosawa was already the master director by the 1960s. Yeah. Like, he was already yeah. the yeah. big kind of thing. So, to try and get a hold of him when you're just this little tiny, not quite Leone yet would be a thing. And I do love um, a fistful of uh, dollars yeah like, no I'm not, Mike,
3: I'm not speaking against it
4: like it's no just, it's just, just like I, it's I, it's even,
1: just, yeah yeah no because me and Mike were talking about it and we just kept going this is really slight it's even slighter than Jimbo, because exactly. Clint and yeah. when he said about Clint when he first hired him and he wasn't definitely not I think it's like his fifth choice like it was the guy he could get it was he had two expressions one with a hat on one was off and he doesn't have <laughs>
4: he's
1: he doesn't Clint will become a better actor but he's not a better actor yet in that movie and it's very slight it's very kind of simple it's just a badass simple kind of this guy trying to do a remake of Yujimbo. and then he get then it kind of hits off because it is a very cool looking movie and you just everything about it just kind of works you the Merrick Cody score and everything so then he makes this movie and that's when you can feel him starting to stretch his legs a little bit like yeah. he's playing with Certain things and the whole thing from what I can gather is that he didn't realize he was breaking the rules of the western because he was a huge western guy like that's why I kept making westerns but he didn't know there were certain rules like apparently showing both people shoot each other in a uh in the same shot like you had to like it was a new thing seeing um two people actually shoot each other within the same same shot was I did not realize was a new thing hmm. it was like um Sorry, going back to horror um, with Last House on the left was um, Craven not realising he'd stepped over many lines with that movie and he going, oh yeah, everyone was a bit quiet on set when we did the, the rape scene. <laughs> yeah, because that scene is brutal. You're putting like all those people through that and then you're wondering why they're quiet. Like he, even he said, I would never go back and make that movie again because I crossed every single line you and which we, And yeah. he's doing it with this, but just not in as a brutal way.
3: No, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, it's, but like, when you, like, I would, I I don't dislike Fistful, but like, I would always kind of watch you Jimbo instead. But like, when it, like, (laughs) wait, that's definitely fair. Um, uh, But like, moving like through the trilogy, I was just like, it's funny how like I do feel like they kind of get better as they go on. Yes. Because Mm -hmm. like, I think that like, I, because it's like, I, I definitely understand your feelings on, Good because I used to have that too. Like it wasn't until recently that it finally clicked for me where I was oh, like, oh, now it, I really yeah. like this. Like it's like yeah. a long time. I was just like, it kind of had the same feelings." So I was like, this is really long and not a lot visually that interesting. I was like, I'm kind of not, I'm not super into this. It wasn't really, that was like, um, when um, I had first gotten into it, uh, my friend and I actually had gotten way more into it. Um, but I remember it was around the time that um, the second Pirates of the Caribbean had come out and um, we were like watching it in the theater and like there was like one port towards the end when he like elbowed me and he was like good bad, the ugly and I was just like oh yeah and like I was just like it's like they they did kind of they totally take from that so it's like it was so it's it's so like influential I think that also oh, is probably so influential kind of yeah kind of taken from the, like it's like by the time you watch it again it kind of loses some of its like specialness um, sure. but like I do think this one as I said like because it's kind of the least it's the it's the it's the, it's the road least traveled in terms of like when people talk about Leone, it's always kind of like the, the one that never comes up. I think that it definitely helps it a lot because watching it, it's always, there's like really nice surprise. Whereas like I remember like, cause I hadn't watched it in like, since like, like, probably like 2020. Um, I just remember really liking it, but I didn't remember like a ton about the plot. It's just like, I hadn't watched Midnight Run in like forever. That's when you like presented these two as like an option. I was like, I don't understand. And then I was like, oh, Bounty Hunters. Okay, that makes sense. Like I was just like, it's like but I didn't track that at all at
1: first. <laughs> I, no, I mean, I was the same thing. Like I knew, all I remembered about um, for a few dollars or more, it was Bounty Hunter. So when I sort of heard about the stubble, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And it was kind of this 80s action with this kind of classic Western that I was kind of joking about. And then sort of watching them close together, it kind of made a lot more sense. Breast isn't pulling from Leone at all, but there's these kind of themes that tie, especially the Daenerys character and the Captain Mortimer, a lately Van Cleef character, Together as in this is more about something else than it is the money. Um, where everyone else is just really wants the money. Um, and that's but but yeah, you're right. It doesn't get talked about enough because it kind of gets lost between the seemingly revolutionary um fistful of dollars because he was just doing things that no one was doing a movie at the time. And then he goes to the much more operatic, very famous um how everyone's kind of pulled from the good the bad and the ugly and then you forget about this movie but when you're watching what he's doing in this movie it's extraordinary i mean i keep going back to the scene where the bad guy is about to shoot that poor guy after he's murdered his family outside he keeps asking Mm -hmm. the boy's age i'm like oh dude come on and then it starts because he's got this kind of pipe uh, miraconi made this kind of pipe music for him and then it just goes into full fandom of the opera as they're kind of staring at each other and leone always makes you sit in these moments and that's what i love about him like he's all about the zooms and the and everything else but when he's just making you stare at a man's face and you're just seeing all the hatred all the fear all the something else that's happening in that moment and that moment is amazing um i do love it how he kept saying that actor he thought it was too um theatrical i'm like dude have you seen the movies you make (laughs) <laughs> they're all like, like, like seriously but apparently he was tying her around the guy tried to leave and then couldn't and then had to come back to work they're never in the middle of nowhere. um but he's a really really good actor if you've ever seen a inspector above the law or something it's about this cop who murders a woman to purely see if he can get away with it because he's a high-ranking um cop i'm uh, also an amazing uh where school but that scene i was just kind of like oh shit this movie's just stepped up to another level you can kind of see the 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 edge is kind of flowing away at the at the end yeah i'm like this is this is miracone for me this is amazing
2: the score is one i go back to and listen to more than the other ones Mm. mainly because i like there's just certain i don't know i don't know what it is the the twang and everything else but also just the way it flows from scene to scene like when eastwood shows up i love that he doesn't take the guy out with his gun at first he just literally just you know, 1960s karate chop style, right to the th- right to the back of the neck and the guy's <laughs> down. And then the Roger I Moore like move. The guy, And then there's just so there's moments like the guy who, when they go get the guy who's getting shaved, he comes in and you see him up close. He's like, he's like, let Red go. And is like half of his beard's gone, and it looks so comical, but it's it's like funny because it's like, oh great. And then Eastwood just kind of looks and is like, okay. And mm-hmm. then just bam, 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 takes them all out and is ruthless yet. You're right this one he starts to evolve a little bit he's got more to it there's like he's found that movie star mm. kind of charm and swagger that he's got because there's time where he just kind of sits down and puts his uh you know feet up at times and just is looking out or when he's talking to the the kid when he shows up in the town and the yes. kid tells him where people are at and the kid asks for more money and he's kind of like all right i don't appreciate this but i respect it so he gives him more <laughs> and uh just so many different things like that and that scene with the bad you know where the bad guy truly shows how bad he is like it's one thing when he walks up to the guy who is in the cell with him and he kind of just whispers something to him and then just shoots him point blank in the side and then mm-hmm. i love how nobody just falls down in this movie if you get shot you're spinning around three times and landing on something or falling it's
1: amazing um, like yeah it's it's, it's i love yeah. how people get shot they just yeah they never die they do do a spin then fall it's like a little dance they do before they before they fall down
2: or there's always two shots, like when you know the one guy is trying to get away from uh, uh, um, Mortimer and he shoots him when he's on the horse, or he shoots the horse, like you mentioned, which is not cool at all. But then it's that awesome scene where he takes that gun out, which I've never seen anybody else in a western use, putting a little like stock on a, a longer pistol, and then the guys just a uh, perfect spaghetti western face with those teeth and everything else and he's just shooting at him and the bullets are getting closer yes. and closer and i'm like dude what are you nuts don't do that the guy's better than you. and then and you just see one shot you know you drop and then the you know bullet hole which props to the makeup effects because the bullets you know the stuff looks good Yeah, i mean even the scene where you know john's smacking that guy around if you look up close because you know thanks to the wonders of you know hd the guy's got like marks on his face, and I was like, "Ooh, did the actor like really hit him?" I no, I, I, I honestly don't know.
1: <laughs> actually, I think this is actually like Hong Kong movies when they wouldn't necessarily was pull their punches. I think this is, I think people were getting slapped in this movie quite a bit.
4: <laughs> yeah, I totally I think so. Mean,
3: it's funny because yeah. like I do think it's like the weird thing. I remember like um, it's because it, you, you mentioned like the bullet hole, but it's like I do think it's like it's the, it's definitely the only thing of um. I remember uh, like a Pat Oswalt. It was like a joke once where he's like about like um. About <laughs> the ugly and like the violence, where he's like somebody about how it was too violent. He's like, literally, all it is is people like shooting, and it's like
4: ah, ah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, <laughs> he's, like, he's
3: like grab their side, like fall down, and I was just like, that's the thing is like, it was the weird thing of like revisionist westerns before like you get to like the age of like Tombstone and like Unforgiven, where it was like there was like mm-hmm. this middle ground time like the seventies where it was like. I mean, there were some like exploitation ones where you would like, like, like the original Django, where there was like a decent amount of like that was, yeah, like compare. But it was like this was kind of like almost the old school where it's like they would shoot each other, but you wouldn't see anything. You just kind of have to like take their word for it. They were hit.
1: (laughs) There was like, no. no I mean, it's it's like the big murder that they keep going back to that Gian does. Like he's literally just holding inside and then falling down on the bed like that. But they will do something where they do do a little bit of makeup where you see a guy who did get shot in the head. So it was like they were picking and choosing of which moments they could use certain things or whenever they had money, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. I'm not 100% sure.
3: Those are probably just standards and practices of that time. It's probably yeah. an issue too.
1: Exactly. Um, but it is, I mean, that moment when he's shooting that guy with the, with the first time you see that uh, gun that's put onto the thing, the way he just like unleashes the thing on the horse and you just see like six shotguns, like <laughs> just unfurl. And you're just like, and I'm just like going, uh, yes this van cleef is taking care of business and then again he's just standing there where this guy is shooting i'm like oh he's dead like he's not taken but and i love how that movie establishes so quickly the fact that he stops the train to get off like everything about this man is such a badass um that you know that he is not going to die um but then the way they get caught toward the end by gian's um gang is such the daftest thing that <laughs> it just doesn't quite wait i feel your shoulder. Oh there's guys like it's yeah it's got this mixture between the goofy and the absolute badass which i do appreciate about this movie i think it yeah this movie knows when to be funny
2: yes Mm -hmm. yeah i i I love when he slides the wanted poster under the door well first off i love when the guy's like he's like where's so-and-so and And he puts the like paper out in the you know uh hotel uh owner looks at him he goes never never seen him and he walks by again and he just lee van cleef grabs him and just goes Where is he? And the guy's like, "Uh," just looks upstairs. And then he walks upstairs. I love how he slides the poster under the door, knocks, and stands off to the side, because he's like, all of these criminals are idiots. They're just going to shoot the first time somebody knocks. I'm just going to stand. And then he kicks that door in, and the guy's already out the window, and he's just like, Like, ma'am. Oh, I love it. That's
1: bad. That's so cool. She's in the she's in the bath and then she does this. And he goes, "Ma'am," and she's like, "Oh, hilarious!" I'm like, "Yeah, that is I, a normal reaction for when Lee Lee Van Cleef first here." It's um, it's yeah, that whole scene is kind of amazing. So it just establishes, and then when Clint Eastwood, it's just a Van Con, and you just burst of lightning. You're like, "Yep, man with no name." Like I know for legal reasons, it can't be, <laughs> but it kind of is. <laughs>
3: You know, that was the one thing that drove yep. me nuts like when they gave him the name. I was just like, please stop. Please don't yeah. call him anything. Just, I, I, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. Please please
1: no, stop. I, I yeah. don't like the name. I'm thankful that he just got called kid. And even then, I'm like, Clint Eastwood's like 37 years old at this point. He's not. <laughs>
3: yeah, no. Man, it was in his <laughs> late 90s even then.
1: <laughs> yes. Clint Eastwood has never been a kid, never will be a kid. No. He's always been 19 years old, constantly knocking on 23-year-olds. That that is Clint Eastwood. <laughs>
2: I do love their, their little back and forth, how he just calls them old man and he calls him kid and back and forth, back and forth. Like they never, it's like, yeah, th- this is how these guys would, would act yes. around each other. And it's, and it's, it's, it's very genuine. And like you said, the scene where like Queen's was, how do you have this kind of thing in our line of work? And the guy's just, and like, he's just like, kid if you, if you live to be as long as I do, you'll, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just, you know they're going about it very different ways because like you said, Manco's just the one who will walk in and just call attention to himself to get who he needs. Whereas, you know, uh Mortimer's smooth. He's like, I haven't made it to 50 some years old by just being dumb and doing yeah. all this stuff. And and it's almost like there's a little bit of like teacher student, even though they're not trying to be, but there's things that you could argue if they made another story that Eastwood's character would have picked up from mortimer and then use moving on but you know
3: yeah that's what no. i said i was confused as fuck when i watched good bad the ugly and i was like when i realized they were <laughs> different characters i was just like what the fuck like why why is this so different they like it's like he he doesn't feel at all like that character what the hell is going on i don't understand what the, what, is, what is the continuity of this
4: bullshit oh and no I was it's like, like oh the, never mind
1: <laughs> no it's like good the Bad the ugly it's meant to be a prequel i'm like but they're all different yeah. characters what yes. is happening <laughs> it's not a prequel
2: yeah <laughs> and this has the best villain out of all of them like, oh. you know the i they actually give him nuance no. like when he kills that guy in the first scene well i mean, the, I mean because of mp is basically the bad guy in a uh, good bad Dudley, and i think he's fucking great that's like, true well yeah, I mean, oh, he, yeah. Well, he's the to... bad yeah but he's not who i i view as the the villain of the piece i know it is but i you know for some reason the you know the other guy is just not nearly as cool as you know oh eli uh, wallach India, yeah eli wallach
3: they just browned up Eli Wallach. He was like, yeah, he can clearly play a Latina. Like, that's totally fine. <laughs> oh,
1: no. I was uh, the fourth, third time I've watched a Time in the West, and I've only just clicked that they browned up Charles Bronson and uh, Jason Robards. I was watching Jason Roberts going, wait, are you meant to be Mexican? Oh, no. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> yeah,
2: that,
1: mm. I just thought you yeah, had Grime on you. Oh, no. Okay, okay. Oh, this isn't I, just, I yeah, Western makes. Dirt.
3: No,
2: you're made to well, that, like that, a didn't, race. that didn't oh, stop.
3: No. I remember that was like my thing. I was talking about Rob recently, where I was just like, um... Lou Diamond Phillips in the 1980s yeah. if you needed a man that was not black and not white you call Lou, Lou Diamond, Diamond Phillips, Phillips.
1: <laughs> he played every a... single he played every single uh, nation that was not his own because I only found yes, out recently exactly. he was actually he's a Filipp- Filipino he's, he's yeah. and I'm like wait <laughs> Lou Diamond Phillips is Filipino from Chavez like,
2: to yeah. Richie Valens he, yes, he, he's like, yeah. your guy <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's the guy and I was just like oh okay that's fascinating like they just looked at him and went you can play in the Native American and he's like Sure, why not? You can play palace I mean. like you. Um, but not very good at both those movies. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it just I was just clicked Once Upon a Time in the West, going, wait, is Jason Robards meant to go? Yikes! And yeah, uh, mm-hmm. he's uh, uh, Eli Wallach kind of overdoes it. I think uh, it will be interesting to see me going back to that movie sort to see how mm-hmm. I feel about it. But I always have a memory of Eli Wallach being annoying.
3: So <laughs> <trying> <laughs> well, he is, but he's yeah. supposed to be. I guess that's the point. Yeah. Like he's like he's the like. He's the I guess, like the comic relief, yeah. It's, like he yeah. like what Yeah, yeah. He's like he's like the one that's mm-hmm. like not the badass. It's like basically like you have Lee Van Cleef and um, Eastwood like out badassing each other. So instead of having a third badass, you just have Eli Wallach like basically like Bugs Bunnying his way through the movie. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> that's an
2: excellent point of he, yeah. He's totally Bugs Bunnying it through.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It's gonna be an interesting watch when um, I start when I finally get back to it. it, but, it yeah but it's interesting in this movie Lee Van Cleef and Clint Eastwood aren't trying to out bad each other they're both badasses the movie completely kind of establishes that but it's sort of more they're not trying to outdo each other they're just trying to get this guy so they can get the reward though you find out Captain Mortimer has a bit a bit more of a um a different kind of thing to it yeah they're not actually trying to out which I kind of appreciate I mean yeah I think I remember them definitely trying to out badass each other and good the bad and the ugly but
4: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah i do i do like their relationship a lot in this movie
3: i mean yeah, I, am, I actually, actually do really love the ending bad. of it actually most of all where he's just like where it's like it, you learn he didn't care about the fucking bounty at all it was just like yeah you could have them all <laughs> just like yeah. and like him just being confused so like yeah i guess i'll take them all
1: yeah because he did try to break away at one point and then leaving shot him in the, the, the grazed his neck with a bullet <laughs> it's like no i need you to do this no because he. <laughs> Because I like how um, the Captain Mortimer is actually quite manipulative. Like, he is manipulating um, the kid, I guess. If I say weird saying next, it's Clint Eastwood. But he's trying to manipulate him so he can get to Genio. Um, uh, um, it's... I uh, can't say his name. Um, the guy with the pretty eyes. It's...
2: John Volante.
1: Yes. <laughs> Gian Ballante. Um, He's trying to manipulate him so he can get to him and the whole thing that him kind of forcing him to be in the gang and I love the line. It's like, when did you realize that he was um, a-, a bounty hunter? No, it's like, oh, only just a knight sir. Yeah, I knew from the first day. It's like, he is such a great <laughs> villain. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I like after he kills somebody, he kind of has to come down off of it, and he's got that moment where, like, the guy brings him his, you know, like, smoke and is almost trembling. He's like, please don't kill me. I'm just here to help you. <laughs> <laughs> he is um, such an awesome, so yeah, there's like just every a, single point. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. But then there's also, like, when that happens and he's kind of, like, trembling while he's smoking, you're like, oh, there's, like, they're trying to add context to this guy and there's like a lot going on mentally and all he's like just he's not just your your typical western bad guy who just like ah i want to watch the town burn
1: no because he was the villain in the first one as well like he's kind of i mean there's maybe mm-hmm. two villains you only remember him mostly um again right. playing a, a latino man and they've kind of round him up again like they've loved that like they've done in this one um but he's straight villain he's just this kind of charismatic guy he's just walking around but he doesn't actually do that much this one he's actually you're right he's been giving more meat he is the worst but there is this vulnerability to him that i'm still not sure if he's doubling i think he was doubling down on what he did when you find out that he was the reason why uh captain mortimer's sister killed herself which is a horrific scene but it's almost like he's in this thing where he's trying to either, he feels like he should make amends he realized he did was wrong, but yet he can't bring himself to do it. And that's where the vulnerability is coming from. And it's yeah. just shown visually, which is why um, Sergio Leone is, is the master. Like he does feel guilt over it. He just can't bring himself to actually admit it.
3: When men
2: were men. Yes. <laughs> when
3: men were men. In the worst
2: possible way.
1: Would rape a woman before men.
2: movies like Barbie existed. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I saw the best review for Barbie. It's like they won't be happy till we're all gay, and I'm like,
2: Is it if it
3: falls into the, like woke? category and you don't like it i'm genuinely curious what things are gonna be like on monday we'll find out who can yeah.
1: say <laughs> yeah i'm just discovered people okay. just say woke when they don't when they don't like something i mean yes exactly yeah I, I second wave feminism isn't woke it is from it's not that it's it's just a way of um it's not even like what the definition of woke is it's just oh you don't like this so therefore it is woke. it's like exactly. no this is very yeah. second wave this isn't even like modern feminism it's just 1970s feminism, like it's come on, guys. Like, can we get a? Well, this is just how this things word?
2: fucking should be. People, stop being assholes about <laughs> yes. it and just re- respect everybody and move on. Move yeah. on. You know. Yeah.
4: You don't oh, need everything. <laughs> because
2: I remember like that was the, remember, yeah. Like,
3: yeah. That yeah. was like I remember there was like one time that um because it's like in in my office. Actually, speaking of Epler, was um I posted about the day. Um, that one of my coworkers uh, overheard referring almond milk as woke milk. And like, yeah. um, and Epler was like, yes i too hate it when my milk has different
2: politics than i i wish i'd have thought of it damn it damn why are you so so clever
1: he's he's a very smart man and very witty and then he would just come out with a um whole thing like his main argument at the moment every single time something is just like i'm not an action scientist i'm not a um, i'm not a horror scientist that's just, yeah that's he's coming out that yeah. quite a bit i find it endlessly hilarious no, it's <laughs> yeah. I think we just need a working definition for the word, not something you don't like. Almonds are not political, okay? They <laughs> just people sometimes have have um can't just have they're just a, nuts. They're just nuts. You just made milk out of nuts. That's not like a thing you need to worry about. Like if you don't like almond milk, don't drink almond milk. It's don't drink fine. it, right? Yeah,
2: it's super easy. Pass pass by. Go to your regular milk and just get that. But who cares yeah. what somebody else drink? It doesn't change the milk that you want or can drink. Yes. God, people.
1: This is what Barbie is. like. Yeah, and you're right. Barbie this, is almond milk? No, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 100% pure almond milk. It's woke milk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah, but this is, yeah, as you said, this is when men were men. And, but I do like how, and Leone did this a lot. I mean, a lot of his main characters are, are rapists. I mean, we just have to go back to lots of time in America that makes you sit in that rape scene for far too long. Like, mm-hmm. that is the most, and then it goes to an inter- intermission, and you're just like, wait, this is where you're leaving me? Seriously, Leone Like, he knew the power of those scenes, and he knew what he was doing, even when everyone goes, dude, what are you doing? he's like, what? Like, I didn't know I couldn't do that. Yeah, I think he yeah. knew the power oh, of what you were doing. Than,
2: what? <laughs> 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 he knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, he,
1: yeah, he kept claiming, oh, I didn't know I couldn't do that. I'm like, mm, yeah, mm. you knew kind of the effect it would have, and it is such a horrific scene, the fact that, because you think she's going to shoot him, but she shoots herself, which is even more horrific, which is why the watch is so important, because, yep. yeah, and it's so complicated, and I love how um, Gian kind of plays it as this, you don't quite know how he feels about the situation, which I think is absolutely genius. I mean, he's an asshole, to be fair, like, he's an absolute dick. But I think you yep. don't quite know how much guilty feels about the situation, which I like.
3: Well, yeah, no, I, I, I that's one I, I, I do think. Yeah, like that, like, yes. Yeah, exactly. That's like that's so like, like Leone did. Pretty. I think did, like, <laughs> what no. Leone did uh, with like, the like the starting the religious Western whatever was it was like back in the day, the, like it was like black hats, white hats. It was very specific. And then it was like mm-hmm. this was the era where it's like you had a lot of ambiguity, like yeah. where you could have somebody like Leon, like um like Eastwood's character. Where it's like he's not really a good guy or a bad guy. He's just mm. a he guy just in mm. the world doing what he has to do, which didn't exist yeah. before that, really. So it's like, yeah, no, I definitely think that's it's it's cool that that's true with the bad guys as well, where they're not like straight up, like like there's more layers to them than just being like straight up just like evil through and through, mm. um, which ultimately makes for a more interesting final product.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. No, it is. I mean, yeah, both, not just
2: mustache twirling.
1: Exactly. Yes. Both these movies got thing from blowback from critics saying it was too nihilistic, too violent um, to all of this, but then people would just go see these movies, especially more in Europe. I think I can't remember which one broke in America first. It might've been good, bad and the ugly actually, but I know in Europe, people were going to see these movies because they were violent because they were nihilistic because they're all these things. And then in, um, for a few dollars more, Leone's kind of sneaking these kind of complex kind of character moments in um, that, not so much with Clint, I think he, like the whole John Ford, John, uh, John Ford, John Wayne relationship with John Ford just didn't think uh, Wayne could act until he, that was one of his like, oh, I saw Red River. I didn't realize you could act. It's like. Ouch. <laughs> yes, John Wayne's well, a dick. You probably deserved it. But that is a of insult. But it's sort of the same thing. Like, I think he thought, still the hat on, hat off, and probably maybe, I don't, from my memory, he gets a bit more to do in Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And, mm-hmm. but you can kind of tell the camera, his camera loves uh, Lee Van Cleet and is really just kind of, again, you don't know what his complete motivations are until, until the end when you realize that was his sister. And so, yeah, it's just magnificent storytelling. Mm
2: hmm. Yeah, you're right. Even when those two were in the room together, Leone's like, Eastwood's always like kind of walking around doing something and like the camera's just like, Lee Van Cleef, this is what, who we're gonna focus on right now. And it's like Eastwood walks in and out of frame. Like at one point, remember he he goes over and looks at that same awesome five or six, you know, rifle yes, uh, satchel thing that you comment. He like kind of looking, he just goes, huh, that's cool. But he's just not doing, my, and the camera's just like Lee Van Cleef. And it's like, he's setting everything up He's kind of our, you know, what kind of drives the story forward. And you're right. It's kind of weird that a Clint Eastwood Western movie, he's kind of second fiddle, but it's done purposefully. And again, Eastwood's smart enough to go, and he's still young enough in his career where he's like, well, I'm going to do what you tell me to do, but I think I know solid gold when I see solid gold and Lee Van Cleef is solid gold.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, that is the thing about Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood always knows when he's working with talent and they will just go, okay, I'll work with it. He's kind of like uh, Bruce Willis in that way. When Bruce Willis doesn't trust you as a director, he'd be a complete nut asshole. And then um, <laughs> when he was working with someone who kind not because apparently what he would do is he'd go up and ask the director about lenses, <laughs> Kevin Smith.
2: says Kevin- who, uh, yeah. I know who Patrick's <laughs> thinking of.
1: <laughs> and of course, Kevin Smith is like, oh, so he's like, okay, well, I'm just gonna be a little bitch then and not take this seriously, because clearly you don't. And even Kevin Smith goes, yeah, I should have actually said more about the lenses um but you ask where's Anderson about the lenses or something else and he's gonna go okay I know what I'm I know what I'm doing um but yeah I think Clint was a little bit the same way but they just realized oh I could just make my own movies and then I don't have to worry about other directors fucking around except if you're not Siegel or, or Leone but um yeah he's he is kind of sick of fiddle in this movie and it's fascinating to watch considering he was such the focus of the first one He's kind of sick and string, And I'm interested to see how the dynamic with him, uh, Van Cleef, and Eli Wallach is going to show up in this this watch. So,
3: I mean, I feel like it's kind of more even in... I mean, I guarantee it's been a couple of years, but like um, in Good, But, Ugly, I feel like it was more even. But I feel like also, despite my, I don't want to say disdain, um, my issues with Eastwood... Like, I definitely think he's super charismatic. So, like, I feel like even when you don't necessarily give him a lot to do, he still manages to, like, feel important. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, so, absolutely. So, like, like, he definitely, he still feels like, a, like, he still, even if he's not the focal point, he still feels, like, yep. a focal point. Like, mm-hmm. he's still, like, there, even if he's not there. So, like, I really think that probably helps also in terms of, like, the dynamic
1: of no, this no. and the No, it does. Clint Eastwood is incredibly charismatic. I mean, yes, I have my issues with him mostly um, off screen, but I, every time he's on screen, I can never take my eyes off him. Like he's always got a presence there. And as he gets older, he's more aware of it and knows how to use it more than I would say these first two movies. But but yeah, he's just one of those people you just like, even when he's like, literally 90 years old and like in um, The Mule, I'm like, I still can't stop watching you. And I am, you look like the Crypt Keeper. Like, but I still can't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stop watching you.
3: <laughs> well, also I like, my favorite description I've heard of uh, was um, when uh, Pete Davidson and John Mulaney were on Cyan um, Live describing The Mule as a superhero movie for old people. Yes. Where it's like, <laughs> where it's like It's like a movie where uh, an old person can do everything better than a Mexican. <laughs> it was just like, so it's like, wow. That just, that's, the, that that's description, really, really on the nose. That, <laughs> that's
1: that, perfect. Oh, oh, the mule does not hide away from that, that comparison. No. That is what the mule is saying. And also, yes, when you're 90, you can have not one, but two threesomes, like when you're yes, watching it, I, I that, that as was... well. Where he's
3: just like, like they were juggling here, like he yeah, did, so they were just like two threesomes. Two, two.
1: and I thought that, <laughs> and... I thought that was an exaggeration. I watched it and went, no, he has two threesomes. <laughs> that is yes. that is the thing that happens in the mule. I'm like, okay, go Clint, this is your movie. You can do whatever you want. And yes, yep. that, that is apparently what you're choosing to do with with this. So good for you. <laughs> What else am I gonna say? It's like I love unforgiven, but every single time um well don't I I need to click with it more. There's an emotional kind of thing. I actually
3: do love unforgiven. That's actually that's my favorite Western. That and Tombstone are my two favorite Westerns.
1: Oh, like that is completely understandable. The moment when the sex worker who's had her face slashed is offering a freebie to Clint, I'm like Okay, come on, Clint. Now you're just being silly. Like, stop it.
3: (laughs) Oh, no, (laughs) I'm not, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's definitely, yeah, no, like, there's, I'm not, I am not in any way, I I am not team Clint Eastwood and never will be in my life. Neither (laughs) neither will I.
1: No, I'm saying this, he's one of my favorite actors, but even when I'm watching a masterpiece like Unforgiven and he still can't help but just be Clint in that moment, I'm like, come on now, stop being silly, like, sex workers aren't just going to stop and give you a (laughs) freebie.
2: Allow me to be that guy. And, <laughs> or, do we really and not just, but in that age and time, do we really expect a sex worker to think of what other way, what, what other form of payment would she have? This is true. She would be like, This is all I got, really. I don't have anything else. So that's where I see that that scene from while also knowing, like, okay, we get it, Clint. Even when you're this grumpy old guy, women just throw themselves at you no matter what. We get it. Okay. All right. Um, no it's what what uh, i do
1: i think it's the sick and dirty harry movie when he has obviously a little bit more control over it and then women just start opening their legs in public to him i'm just like okay Clint. i think it's the second one maybe it's the third one no not the third one.
2: Yeah, but you saw his hair in that movie
1: (laughs) i mean yes he had that hair is impressive
2: and those wool suits come on (laughs) come on
1: i think i don't remember which one it was but i'm just like going jesus christ it's every single yeah okay even the widow who's upset that her husband died is now just like going, i will i will have sex with you like it's like okay, okay <laughs> here we go
2: it is a thing you gotta ask point. yourself <laughs> <Yeah>. oh gosh <laughs> did i sleep with five or did i sleep with <laughs> oh no <laughs> i went there yep yeah you did i've officially officially lost it i've officially lost it (laughs) this good guy image is being shedded podcast by podcast (laughs)
1: oh it really is andy you built up this reputation and you're breaking it all at once
2: guess what i'm not being mean to anybody i'm still going to be super nice and positive but i can (laughs) i can crack crack some jokes and be funny people think you can't be you can't be crude and be nice you can it's yes, great. you absolutely can.
1: And to be fair, that is Clint Eastwood's M.O., let's be honest. Yeah, we just, these movies just haven't gotten there yet. Like, they haven't let Clint be Clint yet. Yeah.
2: No, and that's probably sometimes for the better, I think. Yeah, it's it's some, like yeah those no, Eastwood's, not sometimes, Clint's, it is for the better. Yes. Yeah, Clint's acting and he's just at Leone's, like, disposal. He's like, Leone's telling him what to do and he's doing it. And it's like, yes. you can see it's right there. Like, he doesn't have to worry about, production or direction he just shows up sits down like you said i mean there's that scene where even when he's like talking to the old guy in the shack that when the the train goes by and it yes. all starts shaking, you you barely even see eastwood's face it's almost like he said don't even worry about fil- i don't care don't put makeup on me today i don't need to be mm-hmm. filmed it's just one of those things where you don't see him a lot his face a lot at all like it's very yeah. interesting when you go back and watch it now like
1: it really aware is. of what's happening And the way Clint Eastwood will talk about Leone is in such loving terms. I mean, this is a guy who taught him Mm -hmm. how to make film. This is a guy who he got on set and realized, oh, I mean, this could have been how it was portrayed once upon a time in Hollywood. That's what I was thinking
3: too,
1: yeah. Actors who who were struggling to get work in the States, went over to Italy, made five or six in a run, came back, made money, would go back and do it again. And Clint Eastwood, and this was, he would just, this was Clint. And he went over there, saw what Leone was doing and clocked it instantly. Ah, this guy's doing something different. This guy, whether yep. this movie works or doesn't work, I can see that this guy is not doing what everyone else is doing. He's got something else going on. Um, and the way that Clint clicked onto that so quickly. So in the second one, when he's barely in frame, a lot of the time, you're right. When he's having conversations, he's not the focus of the scene really ever. The fact that he's like, Yeah, I'm just gonna trust what Leone does because Leone's gonna make a masterpiece and I know this and I'm still in it. And it's I I will just you I'll be used this way this man wants me to, because I know this is gonna be amazing. And yeah, he just he I mean, uh, Leonie Leone is the guy who knows how to look someone look cool. I mean, I don't think James Wood has ever looked as good cool as he does in Once Upon a Time in America. Speaking of <laughs> trash people who I like to watch on film, um, it mm-hmm. is yeah,
3: I, I, I will say Carpenter does it in vampires with Jack Crow. Yeah. But like yeah, that's that's the only example I can think of. And also, yeah, I had to mention Carpenter. So yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean Carpenter
1: is <laughs> I love the fact that he's on um the commentary for my once upon a time in the West um mm-hmm. thing. And he was thinking about Once upon a Time in the West when he was making vampires quite a bit. He wanted that Leone mm-hmm. zoom on mm-hmm. on on James Woods. I mean, that was that was on completely on purpose, but yeah this this guy just knows how to make movies like he wasn't in the game he worked on movie i mean his dad was a filmmaker he was in the business from a kid but when he really starts making movies they are transcendent and it's kind of incredible to watch again he's one of those freaks he made amazing movies until he died it's just america kept fucking with his movies and editing them especially once upon a time in the west and once upon a time in america yeah Possibly even Ducky Sucker, I, but I don't know the, much of the history on that one. So waiting for my right, Eureka yeah, to show right. up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, speaking of terrible brand face, with Rob's Tiger playing a Mexican.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's going to get some discussion. <laughs> um, Anything else you want to say about For a Few Dollars More?
2: Uh, I will just end by saying I love the final showdown how it subverts all expectation that Clay Eastwood's going to be the bad guy and i love that he just walks up as the time goes off because and this is great too because um uh indio our bad guy knows that mortimer's guns on the ground and he's like oh when the time goes off grab your and i love that eastwood's there with the time and and the song keeps going and he just point the way he points the the rifle so so he just kind of just like it's so lazy just like whatever don't even think about it and i love that he's like try this and then he sits down now let's and it's just like one of those things where it's like oh man eastwood just gave him he just gave lee van Cleef like the, the keys to the kingdom of this movie and he just sits down and just kind of sits there and bass and i love it's it's typical leone it builds it builds it builds it builds and then you're like come on already as you're almost falling off the couch and then it keeps building and building and building and building and then it, it happens and then I just like the end and they he's still smart enough to give Eastwood that nice little uh, bow at the end where he gets to kill the, and he's like, 22? Wait a minute. Where's that? And that <laughs> yeah. slime ball comes around the corner. He's just like, boom. He's yeah. like, 23. And then they have the little joke when he goes, something all right? He goes, yeah, my math was off, but I fixed <laughs> it. And he's just like, see ya. And, and returning it's, just, it's Joe, a really but, good yeah. ending.
1: No, it is. So. I mean you can see this with quentin tarantino's movie because i nearly chose hateful eight um as a as my western trailer yep but you can see the way that quentin tarantino uses that leone thing of just making you wait something like he was just ramp up the tension so so much to the point where you almost can't take it and he does it in this scene because you've figured out why the watch is important why that piece of music is important wait mm-hmm. everything else slamming uh, Lee van cleef looks like he's in a position where he's going to lose but he doesn't and just the way again this kind of microcosm of storytelling within these kind of few moments and that's but the whole movie's been building toward that i mean yeah leone leone is watching his movies i'm realizing he's just the master of structure editing um everything like to make a movie that
2: pacing yeah pacing
1: even though on paper um his movies can be quite slow because you are staring at people quite a bit you're just on their face like yeah that's why said, i didn't yeah. like them
3: for like a long time it was just like, they yeah. was like I, I thought they were so boring and it was like it took me like forever to finally kind of click with them which yeah, now even, i have yeah now yeah. i like them but
1: yeah even with something like um a fistful of dollars he's still i mean it isn't quite like this or what he would go on to do when once upon a time in america i don't know if i can qualify as a movie because it's something else it's he's still making you sit on these faces and so he's doing that and then he'll go completely batshit crazy with good, bad, the ugly, which is one of the most famous scenes ever made, but um, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, he makes you sit in these moments and that ending is just so good, like you almost feel yeah. sorry for him and not sorry for him at the same time like he, he you could have realized what you did, you could have taken these steps but you're such an asshole that you don't and now, <laughs> now you're dead
2: <laughs> yep, and I'm, I'm glad that the the um, Morricone um, music, when it kicks in, it's not the same operatic as before. It's like a fully realized, or it's not just yeah. organ pipes. It's, just, yeah. it's full orchestra, and you're just sitting back. You're like, yep, this is one of the greatest Western showdowns of all time. Yes, and- it is.
1: And it ends on the Clint Eastwood score. Like This is when you see that each character has their own score. And it actually mm-hmm. ends on that very famous Clint Eastwood Man with No Name Score. And it's like, yeah, that's how this movie should end because Mortimer's tale is finished, but Clint's hasn't. And I, I like that.
2: Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. Yeah. Yep. And he so effortlessly uh effortlessly picks him up and just carries him over, throws him into the, the wagon. I was like, man, Clint Eastwood. You know, I mean, there's like those pictures of him working out back in the 80s, but it's like, man, this, you know, men's men. <laughs>
1: yes, he is. Yes. I mean, I pick yes. up
2: heavy things and I put them down
1: <laughs> very much what a man, Wait, man does. They pick up. Things we're talking about and put Chris again. Down. What the fuck? <laughs> hey,
2: I pick up heavy things and put it down and I'm the least manly man there is. I don't I can't I can't fix cars.
1: I'm not handy. I'm not... <laughs> Chris was in the army, and that's what he did. That is actually probably very insulting to Chris. I do apologize. You did more <laughs> in the army then pick no, stuff no. up and No, stuff no, down. you can be <laughs> insulting
3: to Chris. It's okay. There is no reason to apologize.
2: <laughs> chris um, is chris is like the, the chris will take it because it's it's you Lindsay if it was patrick he'd be fuming right now <laughs> there'd
1: be another twitter feud setting all over again which it probably will happen i mean yeah okay. my favorite thing of my favorite thing in the world is watching on uh, twitter or whatever it's gonna be called soon um is uh is a patrick and uh chris um uh social media battle it's the best <laughs>
2: My 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 favorite is watch for what I in turn reply. Cause I'm usually <laughs> I'll wait for the whole thing to go and then like Patrick will have a gif at the end where it's it's always something like, I hope that you die. And then I just pop <laughs> in there with like a funny little ha ha me. <laughs> <laughs> i just it's so hilarious and i i can't wait till we get patrick on our show to talk about star wars it's going to be great That's i'm going to be That's like it. <laughs> moderator
1: <laughs> it's going to be and in amazing. this corner
2: we have
1: <laughs> i feel sorry for mark because he's not going to understand what's about to happen with that
2: episode. mark's quick enough and we'll get it and mark's mark, we've been we've had a ongoing text thread for the last couple the last few months since like we we decided to, to do it and Chris was like hey Mark who did the show with me before was hoping to come back on I was like it ain't my show man if you want him on there it's great and we all get along with like Mark's hilarious really good uh, good. Really good, just dude and I'm happy that we're gonna have more positive voice in the fandom menace that is Star Wars oh, <laughs> no. discussion out there
1: <laughs> look it needs some positivity like that's what that i agree actually, i'm, I not, agree I'm not i'm not being facetious i actually do think star wars needs a more popular d- discussions because um yeah and also just a hint you will have to get uh daniel left and chris sutado on at some point because if you want positive star wars nerdiness that has some really oh, yeah. bizarre takes those two are perfect for it
2: yeah oh uh, yeah we we plan on getting as many of our friends on as possible once we kind of get a good flow going yeah. and uh yeah it, it, it will be great so
1: well, speaking of which, um, uh, Andy, please tell people they can find the good work, your good work, especially with the Imperial uh, Scum Podcast.
2: Yes, I'm going to make sure I get it right because uh, it is at Scum Imperial. So you can search for that, the show. I am at Andrew M. Gorham on all of the various socials. And uh, yeah, so like uh, like our pal Vice says, uh, I'm on Twitter being nice. I'm on Instagram being dorky. And on Letterboxd, not being smart. <laughs> <laughs> just liking everything.
1: Yeah, you do. You just like everything. It's like- Andy, you can't like everything. Yes, I can. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Yes, I can, Lindsay, yes, and I'll show you how. Yeah, no, I know. You've showed, you've showed me how many times, and even I think I'm really positive over movies. Then I met Andy, I'm like, oh, no, I'm not that positive.
2: <laughs> I cast a wide net. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, Patrick, please tell people where they can find your good work.
2: Um, I
3: mean, basically, Alleyway Crew, Crew with a K, um, is basically everywhere that I would want you to find. And Chainsaw's Claws um, is basically everywhere as well uh, for the podcast. Also, it's obviously on every place that you can find podcasts as far as I know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's the usual thing. Um, but, yeah, A- A- Alleyway Crew is basically everywhere that I am because I just as, – as Twitter has gotten more and more, like, shaky, I made sure that people could find me basically anywhere that I wanted to be found. Um there are certain places where I do not want to be found. I don't have don't have the same name, so that's fine. That's okay.
1: That's actually very smart.
2: Allow me, allow me to quickly just talk about how great Chainsaws and Claws yes. is because so as good. a non as a non horror guy and a, 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 bur- a burgeoning horror guy, I guess we could say it's it's great to kind of sit in because I always feel like I'm there talking with them. And some of my favorite episodes, and I don't. Want to disparage people from listening to the actual discussions, but the bonus episodes of you guys just shooting the shit is great, and I love it because I'm like, hey, they're talking about all the stuff I want to talk about with Robin <laughs> <and>, uh, Patrick.
1: <laughs> no, those are so kudos, great. guys, good job. Yeah, yeah, no, you, the Chainsaws and Claws is an amazing podcast. I love the idea of mixing slasher with monster. I was angry mm-hmm. when you said it. It's like, why didn't I think of that? Um, but it- you technically <laughs>
3: did. <laughs> like, like, it's, like Rob was actually saying. Because he was like talking about how we hadn't done a Dracula yet. And I was like, oh, you know what we could do? Dracula, uh, Nosferatu, and New Nightmare. Oh wait, Rob, you already did that, you son of a bitch. You did it without he did. me. He you, did, you, know, you got the pilot for our show on somebody else's show, you rat bastard. He and did he was like, We should actually do it, and we should have Lindsay on. It's just me, you, you just yelling at us for an hour. And I was like, <laughs> I'm down, Rob. No,
1: no, I am down. I am down for doing that episode, and you just yelling at us how that we lift you out of the, the equation of that, and I do apologize.
4: <laughs> it's okay. <laughs>
1: No, but please, Chainsaws and Claws is an amazing, amazing show. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, so please follow both of their work, or everything where they can, because they are they are absolutely wonderful. And I'm so glad I got to have this conversation. Yeah, uh, Shock and All One on pretty much all the socials. If you want to follow, um, it's the same name. Um, also, Reading Geek uh, on Litterbox and also Twitter, but we'll see how long that lasts. Yes, I say this for a few months, so we'll see how it goes back with some sort of double feature. All right. Thanks guys. Bye.